John Gonzano. Raw, sourced, fresh. From the PacWest Center in downtown Portland, built by high caliber millwrights, this is the bald-faced truth. Are you ready for more highlights just like that, Duck fans? Welcome into the BFT. Junior Newby Peter Sampson in for JC today on the holiday week. And the breaking news today that Justin Herbert will return to the Oregon Ducks football program for his senior year in 2019. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. What do you make of Justin Herbert deciding to come back for his senior year? I got to admit, it took me a little bit off guard today. Not only the decision itself, but the way in which he made the decision was very apropos to Justin Herbert's personality, (laughs) kind of doing it anonymously, but doing it through the team's Twitter account. And wouldn't you know, Samson, but even without being on Twitter, Justin Herbert started trending on Twitter with this decision that he's coming back to Oregon football for 2019. It's a belated Christmas gift to Duck fans everywhere. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Ducks fan. I got to be honest, I'm surprised. I'm Not just by the way he released the decision, I really thought he was going pro. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, we <laughs> we discussed this. We discussed this, and we, we looked at it rationally, and... You know, maybe this reveals that I value money too much, but looking at it rationally and all the factors on the table, it would dictate that you got to go to the NFL when your stock is at its highest. And it seemed like the risk for Justin Herbert's NFL stock was greater than the potential reward. But that was looking at it strictly from an NFL prism. That being said, I understand the emotional side of things, wanting to play with your brother for his freshman season, wanting to return and just be at the University of Oregon. I mean, he says that the University of Oregon means everything to him and that it's never meant more than it does right now. And all of a sudden, Samson, you look at the roster that the Ducks are returning next year as well, and it is going to be loaded at all the key positions and, of course, most notably at quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If you're a Ducks fan, you are thrilled in fact uh we 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 had a a ducks fan on staff roll through don't talk to him that often he went ahead and made sure to stop by my desk and give me a little fist pump there and just like yeah that's what's up so it's surprising news to be honest but man it's going to be such a great year next year if you're down in Eugene. Yeah, Mel Kuyper had Justin Herbert, his sixth-ranked overall prospect among all draft prospects. Todd McShay had him at number 20. So that just shows the disparity on the evaluation of Justin Herbert at the NFL level. We know the measurables, 6'6", 233 pounds, but he only completed less than 60% of his passes, which is not that impressive of a number. He threw for under 3,000 yards. He had 28 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. Pretty impressive ratio. But Oregon overall, I think we could, we could agree, going 8-4 and four and going to the Red Box Bowl, knowing that Justin Herbert was fully healthy all year, was kind of a disappointment. And I wonder how how much of a factor that played in his decision to come back for his senior year at the University of Oregon. Of course, there are other factors at play as well, but tell me what you think at 503-417-7575. Are you surprised by Justin Herbert's decision to come back to Eugene for his senior year? Are you not surprised? 
Did he make the right decision? And of course, ultimately, it all comes down to him, and and it's his call. <laughs> so any decision that he makes is the right one for him. But in your eyes, does Justin Herbert sacrificing millions of dollars to be a pretty unanimously thought of as a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, maybe the top quarterback off the board, depending on what you thought of Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins, depending on what you thought of West Virginia's Will Greer, Missouri's Drew Locke, some of the other names. This was not an impressive quarterback class in the 2019 NFL draft. Justin Herbert was chief among all of those names. He was chief among all of those names. And yet he makes the decision to not try try his hand at being the top quarterback taken off the board. He instead wants to come back for his senior year in 2019. He says, quote, The University of Oregon has been a special place to me for as long as I can remember. Words will never be able to express my feelings of gratitude toward the people that have built and maintained our program. What I have come to realize, though, is that nothing could pull me away from the opportunities that we have in front of us. As we prepare for our bowl game, I would like to ensure that there are no distractions outside of this game. My commitment to my teammates, our coaches, Duck fans, and the University of Oregon has never been stronger. I'll be returning to the University of Oregon for my senior year. Go Ducks! Got from Justin Herbert, and Oregon football captioned it on Twitter. There was one more present under the tree. <laughs> 503-417-7575. What's your reaction to Justin Herbert returning? What does this mean for the expectation of Oregon football in 2019? Because in 2018, there was at least 9 or 10 win expectation. And they ended up getting 8 with a chance at 9 if they can beat Michigan State. With him coming back with a healthy Panay Sewell? With Shane Lemieux, still, he's still deciding whether or not he's going to come back, but he probably will with this news. Calvin Throckmorton's coming back. Jake Hansen most likely coming back. Dallas Warmack at right guard. You're backfilling with some of the top recruits. And to think of what will complement Justin Herbert at the receiver position. Did you see all those four-star receivers that have signed on to the Oregon Ducks? What this might mean even further for Oregon moving forward in February signing day with potential recruits still at large there too, Samson. This is a big deal. Yeah, and those four-star receivers, that's really the key. You look at the one major weakness for the Ducks over the last two years. They need help at wide receiver. Obviously, you had Dylan Mitchell. He was a stud, but... They just need more. And how many drop passes, how many missed routes did we see this season from the receiving core, especially in those first, those three gimme games and maybe even into the fourth game? This is a big deal. This is a big, big deal for the Ducks program. 503-417-7575. You can sound off Justin Herbert coming back to Eugene. We'll start it off with Donnie and Beaverton. What's up, Donnie? Oh, we'll try to get that phone line up there for you here in a moment, Donnie, get you uh, sounded off here in just a moment. 503-407-7575 as uh, Justin Herbert going to return to the University of Oregon. Yeah, I was surprised by it, but maybe I shouldn't have been this whole time. I mean, maybe Justin Herbert really is the... Uh, you know, he he just wants to stay true to the University of Oregon. Maybe he's a more emotional guy than I would have thought. I just assumed that... 
being a, as intellectual a mind as he is with a 4.06 GPA in a major like biology that he'd be able to kind of sit back and look at things from a non-emotional perspective. But and then needless to say, you know, th- this is more than an emotional decision on some levels. And for Justin Herbert, he's got to be able to factor in what his NFL prospects are as well. And to be honest, I just don't, I think there's too much risk than there is reward to be coming back for one more year. 503-417-7575. Let's go out to JD in Vancouver. What's up, JD? Uh, not much. I will say I'm not surprised by it, but I, I agree with you. I think it's a bad decision. I mean, especially in football where one injury in your career is done. If your goal is NFL, there were some good landing spots this year. I mean, Giants need a QB. I mean, what if you land behind Brady for a year and then end up playing? There was actually good teams that just need a quarterback that are going to be there to pick you, and he's not going to gain much. Right now he's the top prospect as far as QBs go. Next year, I don't think he's top five at least top five. I mean, I think with Alabama's quarterback, Clemson's, I think, can come out next year. In the NFL, there's too many X factors with injuries and everything. I just I don't see it as a good idea. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. Just from an NFL stock standpoint, that's a good call. 503-417-7575. So Tua Tungvaluwa is a class of 2020. I think Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, he's a true freshman this year, so he's got to wait till 2021 to come out for the draft. But you know, to assume that he'll be that Justin Herbert will be in a similar position from a uh, stock perspective relative to the other quarterbacks in his class in 2019 than he is, you know, this year, I think that might be a little uh, a little unwise. I mean, there's there's no way that you can assume that he will have the same amount of stock. But then again, we could have had the chance. I mean, Todd McShay of ESPN said on uh, these airwaves on the Dan Patrick Show a couple of weeks ago, that he thought that Justin Herbert was the Josh Allen of this class. And that caught my attention. It was like, well, if Justin Herbert's the Josh Allen, what does that mean? Josh Allen was taken seventh overall by the Buffalo Bills, and everybody knew the holes in his game. Everybody knew that he had the physical stature and the opportunity to develop, but everyone also knew that he was a long-term project. And you look at Josh Allen's rookie season in Buffalo, and it's easy to understand why. Mitch is out in New Jersey. Mitch, what's up? What do you make of Justin Herbert coming back? How's it going, Judah? Happy Festivus. Happy New Year to you and your family. Yeah, you and you and yours as well, Mitch. Thank you. I, I think he's uh, pulling a Matt Barkley, and that blew up in his face. Um, unless he's going to be in the Rose Bowl, win that North Division, and have some competition, because Washington has his transfer quarterback. Uh, Essence is his name, I believe. So unless he's uh, expecting to win a Heisman, I think he's making a big mistake. Big mistake. Does you know how nice, does you know how uh, South Beach is, Miami is? Because Tannehill is not much of a quarterback. He's more of a good backup. Yeah, Mitch, I appreciate the phone call. Have a good opportunity. Thanks a lot. There you go. Yep, love talking to you as always. And that's the thing. I mean, you got U-Dub with Browning leaving, but they've got Jacob Eason coming back. Jacob Eason, who was at Georgia and then decided to transfer out once he lost the job to Jake Fromm. And now Eason's going to be the signal caller at UW. Now it's Eason's job in Seattle. You got Herbert coming back. You got the schedule in 2019 for the Oregon Ducks. That is the definition of a gauntlet. It's going to be crazy. And thankfully for Mario Cristobal, he gets Justin Herbert locked and loaded for one more season. And But here's my thing. like I want to be excited, 
but I'm more nervous now than anything. Oregon objectively failed to live up to expectation this year. They did. I think there's a bunch of reasons why and good reasons why, but if they if Marcus Arroyo and Mario Cristobal can't figure out the way to keep the offense sustainably producing at an excellent high level, then it's going to be all for naught, and we're going to be talking about another disappointing year this time next year. There's a lot of pressure with the decision to come back. There's not as much pressure for the Oregon football program to succeed if they had to do it with Tyler Shuck. Don's out in Beaverton. Don, calling back. What's up, man? What do you think of Justin Herbert returning? I think it's awesome. I mean, it gets the excitement of people who don't even go to the college. You know, basic fans, they're excited because, uh, you know, this guy, he's a hometown kid, man. He's a senior. He'll be a senior. He grew up down there. It's just uh, so exciting. It's going to have a reverse effect. Some of these guys, they're going to want to go out to the – and get uh, and 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 go for the NFL. They're they're going to change your mind because this is the best top five recruitment. You got to believe this is going to be awesome. I can't even wait. And I like the guy. He's a good character. Stays out of trouble. He's a hometown kid. He does need work, Judah. He does need some more work on his game because we saw that in certain times of the year. So to hone his skills, to get better, to even have a chance, you know, to uh, lead his team and possibly, I mean, they talked about him being the Heisman in, in earlier in the year, but that fell aside. Mm-hmm. Look at Darnold. He he went out. They said he was a really good co- quarterback and he's ready, but look, he had a horrible year this year. Yeah, and, and and he started turning it on late, Don, but I appreciate the phone call. Like, here's the thing. If Justin Herbert's going to come back and then produce at a high level, I think Mario Cristobal needs to make some decision at quarterback's coach. If you want Marcus Arroyo as your play caller, that's one thing. But I think you need a more refined coach to hone Herbert's skills from a QB positional standpoint, Samson. You took the words right out of my mouth, and I was going to ask, what does this mean for Arroyo? I mean, you have so much talent returning. You have so much talent coming in. You've got to do something, don't you? I think so. I think so. Dave is out in Aloha. Dave, what do you make of Herbert's decision to return? Hey, I think it's a smart idea on his part, and I think it's a great idea for him. His stock went way down this year. He was not as sharp. He was not as good. Plus, he didn't have the talent around him to make him that good this year, which I think was a key point. And, yes, they need to get a, get rid of Arroyo and get a better offensive coordinator and a better quarterback's coach to nurture him along. That will only increase his stock and make him better all along. But also, they need to make sure that they get their backup quarterback honed and ready to go so in case anything happens, they've got somebody that can step right in and not have the fiasco they had a couple of years with Brewmeister and the other ones. So it's going to be great, but they got to make sure they keep him healthy and everybody else. The decision to return, and thanks for the phone call, the decision to return raises the stakes. That's what it does. It raises the stakes. It raises the stakes for Justin Herbert individually. It raises the stakes for Oregon as a football program. If they, I mean, they need to make a New Year's Six next year with the amount of talent that they have and the schedule that they have. Auburn, right out of the gate, Road game at USC now with Cliff Kingsbury and company. It raises the stakes in a major way. So, yeah, of course I've got optimism. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Oregon can do with Justin Herbert returning for a senior season. 
in some ways, I feel the sky is the limit. In other ways, I'm shuddering inside if I'm a Duck fan because expectations failed to be met this year. What's to say that they will be met next season? What are the expectations? I think the expectations got to be higher than they were in 2018. And we were taught we'll reset some of the shows that we had in, in August. We were predicting nine and 10 win seasons, including the bowl game. The best they can do is nine this year. All right, we got to hit the break, but we'll come back. We'll hit David in Astoria, Dylan in Eugene, Justin in Salem. All you guys will get on the air coming up in our second segment. Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports, will join us at 1230 with his thoughts on Justin Herbert returning. Plus, Nick Aliotti, the former Duck defensive coordinator at 2 o'clock, and you at 503-417-7575. Did Justin Herbert make the right decision to return to the Oregon Ducks for his senior season in 2019? What would you have done? And how high are your expectations for Herbert and Oregon next year? This is the BFT. Final three, four, and seven, seventy-five, seventy-five. Your reaction to Justin Herbert deciding to return to play for the Oregon Ducks his senior year in 2019. Judah newbie Peter Sampson here with you on the BFT, uh, getting some Twitter reaction as well at 1029 The Game at Nike. Empire O says, I think the host needs to shut up and stop hating on Justin. <laughs> I'm not hating on Justin Herbert. Just surprised. I'm just surprised. That's it. I'm not hating on the guy. I, of course I respect his decision. It is his decision. I said that from the top of the show. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. But I am a little bit surprised. And you have to look at this objectively to some degree as well. And the fact is, he was going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And there's no telling if he will again next season. Yeah, and we're not the only ones surprised by this. I uh, I was filling in for JC just two weeks ago. I had Ducks legend Rashad Bowman on. Mm. And I kind of asked him, hey, what's your take on this? Like, he's got to go pro, right? Doesn't he? And it, it wasn't just that he said, yeah. He went, yeah. Like, what kind of dumb question is that? Of course he has to. So, obviously, you know, look, Herbert's going to make the right decision for him. We don't know what his priorities are. But just as an outsider looking at this, A, I'm thrilled, and B, I'm just sort of stunned. Yeah, I'm both of those as well. Let's go out to Astoria. David's waiting patiently. David, your take on Justin Herbert returning for his senior year. Well, first a sidebar, and I and, uh... Just wanted to say I appreciate your setting the lineup before you went to break. That really is helpful as a as a caller. <laughs> You're uh, welcome, Justin Herbert. Uh, I figured it was a coin flip and a and a roll of the dice. That uh, I figured it was fifty fifty whether he would come back. He was making all these noises like he like he might, and uh, and yet. You're right. He sh- maybe shouldn't have. But I think what he's seeing is that the the way the roster is shaping up is looking mighty tempting. And his stock did fall last year. You know, there was all that talk about him early on, and and in, in the and in the end, because of the performance of the team, as much as his own, it fell. He he faded into near irrelevance and. Uh, and I think he wants to correct that. So I'm, 
I'm pleased as punch, but I think that uh, I, I think that I understand why he decided to come back. Plus, he's you know he's a big homer. He's a big homer. He is a big homer, and there's the narrative is too good, man. It's just too good. Three star kid out of Sheldon, you know, breaks his leg his junior year of high school. Multi-sport athlete sneaks under the radar, goes to the University of Oregon. I remember when he took over as a freshman and just started absolutely lighting it up. I mean. To me, that's the best he's played his entire Oregon career was his freshman year. Those first few starts right out of the gate. That Cal game that they lost in, you know, double overtime, 52-49 or whatever it was. Like, he was spinning it. The Arizona State game where he passed for 480 yards, you know, tied a Ducks single game record. I've never seen him play as good in a Duck uniform since his freshman year. And that worries me a little bit. 503-417-7575. Down to Salem we go. And Justin has a take on his own namesake. Justin, your thoughts on Justin Herbert returning? Hey, I, I think it's incredible news. Um, to be honest, I'm not super surprised just because um, uh, Chris Miller was on the program a couple of months ago and uh, basically predicted that uh, Justin would return. And, you know, he's obviously got some connections and, and knows the family. So uh, I've been hopeful ever since I heard that. Um, but but uh, also to the detractors and, and some of the critics out there, I'm, I'm certain that they have an insurance policy in place, um, you know, in case of injury. So I really wouldn't worry too much about that and just uh, enjoy the fact that we get another year of this guy. <laughs> Amen to that. Thanks for the take, Justin. Appreciate that. Down to Eugene. James is in Eugene. James, your thoughts on Justin Herbert coming back? Yeah, well, my whole thing is kind of, you know, if he would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate this year and would have decided to come back with his stock being, you know, as high as it could be, I think it would have been a foolish decision. But I would think to think with how many guys they got coming back next year, for him to throw 25 touchdowns and eight picks or whatever it was for under 3,000 yards, it's not going to be that hard for him to do that next year. As long as he, you know, doesn't get some kind of catastrophic injury, I think the numbers he's going to easily surpass next year from this year. So, I mean, that's my whole take on it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it makes sense. I mean, look, I want to say he's going to eclipse those numbers pretty easily as well. But, look, personnel will be loaded. No question about that. You know, especially if Dylan Mitchell is still in uniform, which we have even yet to hear from him. By the way, players have until January 14th to officially make their decision. But if Dylan Mitchell is back and you factor in the four-star recruits that they just signed, you know, all of a sudden you're not relying on Brendan Schooler on third and nine. Yeah, do you think Dylan Mitchell's coming back? I mean, Herbert well, grew up in Eugene, grew up a duck. I mean, does does Mitchell have that alliance? No, but his alliance would be to Herbert, really. Yeah. That, that's a special on-field chemistry that they have. I know Justin speaks highly of him off the field as well. You know, it's easier just to say those things than to actually know if they're capital T true or not. That being said, Dylan Mitchell might be a guy that his stock is as high now as it ever will be. The fact that Nikhil Harry and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside were given the awards as the top receivers in the Pac-12, I think, look, I get it because Arcega-Whiteside, Arcega-Whiteside was just a massive human being, yeah. and he posted up, folks. Like, that's how he got his stats. 
Dylan Mitchell is way more skilled than that guy. And, you know, if he's got any type of chip on his shoulder from a uh, recognition standpoint, then I think maybe Mitchell comes back for that reason. Roy is in Portland. What's up, Roy? Yeah, um, I don't know what the draft grade was on Justin Herbert, man, but, uh, you know, I, I hear people talking for selfish reasons. I think you never come back, man. When you saw what happened to the Washington Redskins quarterback, both of them, Greg Dill, you one injury away from not having a career or being significantly uh, downgraded in the draft, man. Yeah. I mean, you know how hard it is to make a million dollars? I mean, dude, I, I mean, I, I, I think he got some bad advice, man. When you got money on the table, you take that money every single time. I don't care who you are. It's all about the Benjamins, man. Okay, take that money, man. Forget about – I know people, Oregon fans, oh, yeah, we want to come back. He got to do his best for him and his family. And it's, you know, I just don't – I don't get it, man. I mean, it, it sounds good to come back and you want to be the hero, man. But if it was – I don't know who gave him this this advice, but to me, you never leave the money on the table, ever. Yeah, Roy, it's, that's the exact reason I thought he was leaving. It's generational money. That's what I thought he was gone. But he's he's coming back, and, you know, there's that saying, a little pain now for a lot gain later. The little pain now would have been the pain of leaving Oregon. It would have been the pain of saying, this is my last game, the Red Box Bowl. It's my last year with these guys in the green and yellow. Like I got to say goodbye to the brotherhood. That would have been the little pain now. And the lot gain later is seven mil next year. Twenty-five mil on your first deal. And I'm not normally a guy that just defaults to say that it's all about the Benjamins. That's not normally my my default position. I'm as emotional as they get. I love buying into narratives. But this one, I just thought that the intellectual side of Herbert, the 4.06. GPA, the biology, the just amount of smarts that he has would also mean that he would look at this rationally and not emotionally. And turns out he thought of it emotionally. It's good for him. Come on down, Justin Herbert. We'll take you for another year. 503-417-7575. As the phone lines still light up, we'll also have Matt Prem on the other side. We'll hit a break. We'll come right back. More of your reaction to Matt Prem of 24-7 Sports up next. This is the BFT. Matt Prem of 24-7 Sports will join us here in a moment discussing Justin Herbert returning to the University of Oregon. People keep chiming in on Twitter that I'm disrespecting Justin Herbert for this decision. That's not even close to what I'm doing. What? It's not even close. I'm just simply breaking down all the factors and saying that I personally was surprised. I mean, gosh. How dare you? There's gray area to this thing. Uh, <laughs> Mike's out in Portland. Mike, what's happening, man? What do you think of Justin Herbert returning? Well, first of all, I'm not surprised. And, you know, and I want to say to the people that say he should take the money, you know, in the contract, you know, the big print, give it, but the small print, take it away. And I'm thinking this what was in the small print that made him back up. But what I've noticed about Justin Herbert, um, in the midst of all his talent, Justin Herbert don't have no guts. He lacks guts. 
That's why backup quarterbacks were able to outproduce him in some key games. That is one of the reasons why he's not leaving because he ain't got no guts. All he got to do, and one last thing, when you guys talk about this class that he's going to be able to play with next year, that one guy, that Chibador or whatever that guy's name, Kayvon, he ain't got no guts. How is a guy that's supposed to be one of the best football players in that position that could go to a premier school like Alabama and he turned it down because somebody told him he can be the man here in Oregon. To me, he's either eccentric or he ain't got no guts. I go with the latter. And so I don't have this high expectation that, that the Ducks are going to do all of this next year because, to me, the players that they have, you know, they're gutless. All you got to do is look at the NFL football. Look at Marcus Mariota. He's having problems because he ain't got no guts. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Never change, Mike. Never change. 503-417-7575. Chris, Rocky, we'll get to you in moments as well. But first, let's go out to uh, the phone lines. Talk to Matt Prem of 24-7 Sports. Matt, that's what Portland Sports Radio sounds like the day after Christmas. <laughs> Everybody's very grateful for Justin Herbert <laughs> returning. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And uh, not to pick on Mike, but to be gutless would be going to Alabama where every other five-star goes. He is taking a chance. He is betting on himself by going to Oregon where there isn't a plethora of five-star guys. And if if he carries Oregon, it's even a bigger impact because you can associate it to Hey, Kayvon Thibodeau came here and he had a huge impact. Where at Alabama, he's just another guy. He hasn't suited up in a spring game. He hasn't had one practice with Oregon football. Ooh. And yet we have our first Kayvon <laughs> Thibodeau hot take from Mike in Portland. Uh, Matt, I, from the top of the show, you know, I said that I was a little surprised by Justin Herbert's decision to go to the NFL. And I, I know that. You know, he values Oregon a lot, and he values the opportunity perhaps to play with Patrick Herbert next year as well, his little brother. Were you surprised by this decision when it broke just after 10 o'clock this morning? I was surprised that it came out today. I wasn't surprised that he's coming back because everyone around the program, teammates, administrators, boosters, uh, everyone but Herbert basically had indicated at the beginning of the year it was he's probably coming back. He's indicating he's coming back. We think he's coming back. And they ended it with, but let's check and see what happens at the end of the season and what his draft stock says. And so everyone said that they were expecting him back in Eugene, but they had that little caveat. So I I personally thought he'd he'd come back. Um, Was there a little bit of, was there shock? Sure. I mean, there always is a little bit when someone says no to millions of dollars and comes back to play a sport for free. Uh, and that, that could be a debate on a whole nother topic if it's truly free or not because of all the, the help they get academically and, and whatnot. Um, and, but at, at the same time, I, I was expecting him to come back to Oregon for 2019. That being said, with him back in the fold, given the personnel that has been recruited and now signed in the first wave of the signing period and the amount uh, of offensive talent that will also return, particularly up front on the offensive line, 
you know, how optimistic should Duck fans be about this team's 2019 season? Oh, absolutely. Looking at this roster and if there are any transfers and if Dylan Mitchell comes back and Troy Dye comes back, you have every starter from your offense back. You have every guy on the two deep but three players back on this team. And then defensively, you bring back eight starters. And you bring back probably six or seven more guys that were regular contributors on the, on the second team. So not only are your starters back, a lot of your your secondary guys are back. And then you add in the Pac-12's top class. You add in the fifth the sixth best class in the country, you look at this team and think they are probably going to be the prohibial favorite to win the Pac-12 North and probably the Pac-12 championship game uh, in 2019. And I, I do want to pause and put caution on the fact that, hey, this is a top five team next year. Or, hey, this is a, a, even a top 10 team next year. Just because the Pac-12 has has been so bad the last two seasons, I can't look at a team and and say unless they, you know, look really really good in this Red Box Bowl against you know one of the best defenses in the country and they put up a ton of points, I just can't sit here and and say they're automatically going to be a top five. Uh, I could I could understand it if they were ten or if they were nine, but right now I would still put a lot of teams uh, ahead of them. Uh, if, if we get into the discussion of eighth or seventh or sixth or so in, in the country next year, but they should be the favorites next year to, to 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 win the conference, in my opinion. How does this affect the mindset of Mario Cristobal and Marcus Arroyo in terms of offensive philosophy and play calling, which was a common well, narrative throughout the year? But knowing that they got Justin Herbert back and knowing that they really don't want to waste this season, and, and waste is maybe not the right term to use. But do they try to change it all from being their run first between the tackles type of philosophy in order to try to maximize number 10 being back in the fold for another year? I think they do. And it's not because it's of it. It's because of who they signed in the 2019 class. I mean, Micah Pittman is a four-star receiver, a top 50 guy. Uh, you, you look at Lance Wilhoy, Josh Delgado, J.R. Waters, you know, three other really good guys that are at that receiver position. Kyle Ford's a five-star receiver that's looking at Oregon, and maybe he jumps into the fold and, and, and joins this program. But I look at this year's offense with Oregon, and I, I see the struggles. And, yeah, they, there wasn't a lot of creativity, and they you know, really locked in on just Dylan Mitchell. But the way I looked at it is, is how can you market yourself in a situation if you're an Oregon, if you're Mario Cristobal offensively and get the most out of what you have, you know, you don't have a lot of talent outside of Dylan Mitchell. You know that at running back, you've got some solid guys, but none of them are Royce Freeman, a, a Thomas Tyner, a Kenyon Barner or a Michael James at this point in their careers. Uh, Tony Brooks James is, is maybe you know, uh, an explosive guy, but he's so injury prone and he had, had the fumbles. You couldn't rely on him uh, for the entire year. So what do you do instead of trying to go four wide and, and throw the ball 50 times and, uh, and, and, and really harness the, the, the skill that you have at, at Herbert and look terrible at it and look really bad. And then you, you give ammunition for 
the other coaches in the conference, why do you want to go to Oregon? They don't develop. Look what they're doing with Herbert. They don't know how to use him. Look at the receivers. They're terrible. Why would you go there? You're not going to get better. They have a they have a, a receiver that they can point to to every other guy in 2019 and say, hey, look, when we throw the ball and we and we trust you at receiver, you can have a huge year at Oregon. Look at what Dylan Mitchell did this season. At quarterback recruiting, you can point to Justin Herbert. And then along the offensive line where they've dominated, they say, look, we want to win games by running the ball and being physical. Look what our offensive line can do without – you know, much of a, of a passing threat. And it's, it's, it's kind of folding the story here a little bit to bend it to your ways, but I think they did what they were supposed to do with the personnel that they had. Yeah. They weren't really creative, but by getting creative, you could have hurt the product more by, cause you're not good at it. You're not good at, at throwing the ball with four wide everywhere and, and trying to do what Mike Leach does at Washington state or, you know, what Oklahoma does with their offense and their league Riley when they throw the ball all over the place. It's a different style, and you know, even USC when they go four wide, you know, those schools they have just better receivers, and so yeah, the offense will change a little bit in 2019, but that's because they've been able to to load in some better talent at that receiver position to, to harness that. What do you think, Dylan Mitchell? Um you know, should be thinking about as he weighs his decision whether or not to come back. Does does this Justin Herbert decision have any impact? And if it does, to what right. degree? Could you guess? I think I think this is the hardest one to peg because if I if I'm if I look at Dylan Mitchell and I say, okay, so he had over a th- almost he had over a thousand yards this season. He's like thirty six yards away from the school record for season uh, yardage in one year. Um, he's probably going to get that in the Red Box Bowl and you look at it and go, are you going to be able to duplicate that next season in 2019? Well, it will help because now Justin Herbert's back. So I should be able to come back and, and be able to duplicate that in some capacity, close or go over that number. But at the same time, all these other guys are coming into the program next year and they're going to get targets. They're going to, they're because they're going to be better than the guys that, that are on this team with me. So, I come back, but my targets are probably going to go down because of the other guys increased talent around me. But at the same time, teams won't be able to double, you know, double me as much because they can't afford to leave the other guys in one-on-one situations or without safety help over the top. So I think that's the hardest one. Um, If it was me, I would go because I don't think you can definitively say I'm going to be able to put up a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns next season as a, as a senior and show that, this year is what I'm going to do every single football season at Oregon or, or at the next level. Your stock probably won't be as high as it is now, but then the question becomes, how high is it? He's not a first-rounder. He's not a second-round guy. So maybe he's a third or a fourth. Uh, is that going to be worth it to go? Uh, that, that's, the, that's where I said I think this is the toughest decision to make. I, I think he comes back, knowing Herbert's back, but – this is one where I, I think I, I would have no issues with him going pro if he chose to go pro. Last thing for you, Matt, and this is Matt Bream, 24-7 Sports, joining us on the BFT and the BFT Radio Network. You look at the Oregon schedule in 2019, it's got that season opener against Auburn. It's got road games at Stanford, at Washington, at USC as well. The expectations for this team were pretty high going into 2018, in part 
because of the undaunting schedule, and yet it only produced eight regular season wins. With the daunted nature of next year's schedule, what do you think the expectation should be for the program in 2019 from a wins perspective? It needs to be more than what it is now. So that's, you're at eight in 2018. So you've got to be at least at nine. I think with basically every starter back, let's assume Mitchell comes back, every offensive starter back, including Herbert now going into his fourth year as a starting quarterback, I, I think you have to up it up one more game and say, you need to win 10 games to be a successful season at Oregon with the personnel that you have coming back with the personnel that you are adding into this program. I understand a lot of your, your games are going to be tough and on the road uh, this in the 2019 season. But, look, experienced teams, elite teams like you are expecting to become, they win games on the road. They find ways to win. And I think it's, it's fair to say you, you, you could maybe lose one or two games uh, in the 2019 season, but if you want to be the team that you are preaching uh, to recruits, to fans, to your own players, 10 wins needs to be kind of that benchmark for, for the 2019 season. Matt, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us and talking this Justin Herbert decision. We'll follow you on Twitter at Matt Prem and be uh, following all your work in the lead-up to the Red Box Bowl and beyond. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. There he is, Matt Prem. Good to talk with Matt, as always, here on the BFT. Before we go to break, you've been waiting patiently on the phone lines as well. Chris is in Beaverton. Chris, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I just want to say... Uh... University of Oregon has been like uh, quarterback U from all the way back to Bill Musgrave, Tony Graziani, Achilles Smith. They just crank him out. And from what I saw from Herbert this year, he's a, a physical specimen, uh, almost like a Ryan Leaf, a big guy, had a lot of muscle. I'm wondering what he's going to look like when he comes back this year. But I saw him uh, – overthrow a lot of uh, receivers. He wasn't really accurate. And I think it would benefit him and the whole program for him to come back another year. And I do think he made the right decision for him and the program. Um, I don't really see him getting hurt. There always is that chance. But uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I appreciate the call. And, uh, you know, that's a good point from that regard because, look, just because – you get drafted at a certain point in the NFL draft. And this is something that I got to confess. I didn't think about fully, even until this moment, just because you get selected at a certain point in the NFL draft does not guarantee you anything about your NFL future. Right? We see plenty of lottery picks, top 10 picks, if you will not live up to their NFL potential. So just because we say, Hey, he could be a top 10 pick. Ergo, he should leave now. Well, if you run that back and say, well, if he comes back for a senior year and he's not a top 10 pick, that still might be okay. Because I'd rather have the more seasoned, more experienced player that stayed one more year at college. And even if it means being drafted 20th instead of 10th. I, I would bet on that guy drafted 20th to have a more successful NFL career because he's got the more experience. He's got more perspective. 503-417-7575. Rocky down in Ben. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. This is the BFT and the BFT Radio Network.
Thanks to Matt Bream, 24-7 Sports, for joining the BFT moments ago. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson in for JC today. Justin Herbert returning to the University of Oregon for his senior year. We are reacting to that. We are taking your calls at 503-417-7575. Taking your tweets as well at 1029 The Game. And uh, if you miss any interview on this show, you can find it as well at 1029thegame.com. Rocky is in bend. He's been waiting patiently. Rocky, your take on Justin Herbert returning to the Oregon Ducks for his senior year. Well, I think it's a great day for Oregon. I mean, we got this guy to come back for his senior year. I think it's great. Um, I think one of the callers called back earlier was talking about making an emotional call over a logical call. Um, You know, I went to high school with uh, his dad and with his uncles and some of the family members there. Just a class act family. You know, I think he sat down with his family and made the decision with them. And I think with him, it's just, you know, like I said, we all live in a life of unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen to us tomorrow, next week. We don't know. So, but to have these NFL scouts and these analysts talk about Justin Herbert, about where he's at in his development and where he, where he can be, I mean, he's really one of the true quarterbacks we have, you know, coming out. And I think with him, it's just about one more year of just developing who he is and being the quarterback that he can be. Because we don't know if he can be drafted, you know, fifth or sixth this year or, like I said, 20th next year. We don't know. But to get that credentials underneath his skin and allow him to come back for one more year, especially what Oregon has on the table with their with the returning players, I think is a good choice. I think it make, he made a good decision here. And um, we just got to wait for next year and see what happens. I agree, Rocky. And that's good perspective. Appreciate the phone call. 503-417-7575. Look, you know, this is not an either-or reaction game for me. It is a both-and. I'm not here to bring false dichotomies to the table. I'm just saying, I am both surprised that Justin Herbert is returning and thrilled for him at the same time. Exactly. And I think that's the take that you have to have today. That being said, we do live in a world of unknowns. Rocky's very, very right. And you could point to previous examples. Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, great. Those guys were all, I mean, two of them are in the Manning family for crying out loud. And one of them was by far unanimous number one overall pick his senior year. Is that going to happen to Justin Herbert? Don't assume that. Hour two is coming up next. John Gonzano, raw, source, fresh. From the PacWest Center in downtown Portland, built by high caliber millwrights, this is the bald faced truth. Welcome back. Hour two of the BFT on this holiday week. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson here on the BFT radio network and you at 503-417-7575. Justin Herbert announces his decision to return to University of Oregon for his senior season in 2019. He does it in probably the most Justin Herbert way possible. Just slipping a little statement through the University of Oregon pipeline right before boarding the team plane as they are about to fly down to San Francisco in the Red Box Bowl. They get their first practice down in San Francisco tonight at the City College of San Francisco. 
And then they will continue to practice on Thursday and Friday, doing some work out in the community on Saturday, and then resting up with a walkthrough on Sunday before playing on New Year's Eve at noon against Michigan State in the Red Box Bowl. 503-417-7575 also getting uh, Facebook comments as well on this uh, reaction. Uh, Colin chimes in and says, what a relief. I was worried my Jaguars would draft him. <laughs> and I'm not sure if he means that he doesn't think Justin Herbert would be good for the Jaguars or if he thinks he wouldn't trust the Jaguars to develop him well. I know exactly what he means, and it's the latter. Yeah. The Jaguars can ruin anybody. By the way, Blake Bortles, has gonna he's going to start Week 17 again. No, of course he is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, let's see. Steve says on Facebook, I bet he wanted to play with his bro. How cool. I bet it was their dream. Something to be said for that, yeah. Samson. I mean, and who am I to judge the relationship between two brothers? But if I got a chance to play football with my brother on the same team, especially a stage like University of Oregon, especially when I'm probably the most talented quarterback in the con- in the uh, conference, at the very least, maybe the country, and my little brother can catch passes at the tight end position, the Y position, as they call it, I'm probably going to try to take that opportunity, but... We're still talking about leaving millions on the table. Yeah, if it was my sibling playing tight end, I'd make sure to look him off as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Pat's open? Pat's open? Yeah, nah. Where, where's Dylan? <laughs> nah. Where's the slot? Uh, yeah, so you can go ahead and continue to chime in as well. Ryan says, this might be a my- Matt Barkley situation, though. Some say he's a top-five pick in the draft. He could have a bad season and slip next year. He better be getting an insurance policy on this as well. I think Justin Herbert probably factored that into his decision making. He probably will go with said insurance policy. Oh, I'm sure. You know, you got you, you kind of have to. A caller called in earlier in hour one and said that just look at what's happened to Alex Smith and Colt McCoy. You know, which is just ridiculously bad luck. Ugh. I mean, talk about a cursed franchise more ways than one, but especially in the health of the quarterback position as it relates to fibulas and tibula, tibias as well. Well, I can hardly even say it, but. Yeah, you you do hope that Justin Herbert will at least be able to put a healthy season together as a senior. So that's his decision. You continue to react to that uh, here on the BFT. In the meantime, getting around some other topics as well. Blazers played last night. Oh, did they? Allegedly, Samson. What is this? What is this? A 117-96 to loss at the hands of the Utah Jazz. Portland uh, was tied with Utah at the end of one quarter. After that, it was all jazz. And here we are through Christmas, which I would suggest is, you know, one of the three tiers of the NBA season. Samson, you're our resident Blazers and NBA expert. Through Christmas, the Blazers are the sixth seed in the Western Conference. First of all, last night, what do you make of the way that they showed up for uh, Christmas against Utah? Well, I guess you call it progress. You didn't lose by 30 like you did to Utah last week. So next time they play, they'll only lose by about 16. No, look, look, I mean, the Blazers, it was just sort of a mediocre game, wasn't it? Nothing really stood out. And Utah, the real issue is they're just a bad matchup for the Blazers because they get so much secondary scoring from Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum. And look, Rudy Gobert can neutralize both those guys. Unless CJ's red hot from three, you know, he likes to get in the lane. He likes that uh, that 8 to 12 foot range. And Gobert can swallow everything up there. Same deal with Yusuf Nurkic. And look, the guy had seven blocks. Seven blocks last night. How many shots did he alter beyond those seven? It's it's always going to be tough going up against Utah. 
And, I mean, look, Utah, they, they may have the worst record, but the bottom line is they've had the most difficult schedule in the NBA. It's, they're going to have the third easiest going forward. They're a better team, they, and there's no shame in not being as good as Utah. Don't believe that record. They're yeah. a legit team. Utah defeated the Blazers twice in the last five days, a combined margin of 51 points. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of the matchup kryptonite New Orleans you know, presented to yeah. Portland in the uh, first round series last year. So if you're the Blazers, you want to try to make the playoffs great as long as you face pretty much anyone other than Golden State or Utah. Speaking of Golden State, for the Blazers, that's who they get in back-to-back games coming up starting Thursday down in Oakland and then returning the favor Saturday at Moda. Then you get Philly on Sunday as well. On the second of a back-to-back. Which is going to be tough. And Philly's got you know their own issues as well. I understand they're not playing to their potential at the moment, but they're still a more talented team, in my opinion, than is the Portland Trail Blazers. And then you start the new year off visiting the Sacramento Kings, who are hardly a pushover right now. If the season finished today, Sacramento would be in the uh, in the postseason. So a lot of questions around this team, and I guess they got to make some type of trade is what everybody's kind of referencing before the trade deadline. I don't think anything of significance is going to happen. I mean, we try to anticipate it every year, and every year we come up empty. Yeah, you know, the people that say they need to make some sort of trade are right. I've been banging the auto porter drum for, ah, I guess, about a month month now it's 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 such a perfect fit and it's it's not going to happen and look the bottom line is this organization is happy as long as the moda center is full they are and as long as people are going to games and they're watching on tv that's fine and and they're fine with a first round and out and it's so frustrating because we're going to look back at this era in five years and go man we wasted Damian Lillard's prime. It's such a disappointment. Well, did they waste Damian Lillard's prime, or did the conference decide his prime for him? That's that's my kind of take on it, too. It's like, like it, it, really, what is the ceiling of this team when you have super teams in Golden State, when you have LeBron joining the conference going down with the Lakers, when you have Houston playing that the way they are? Really, what could the ceiling be of a small market team anyway? Second round at best? Western Conference Finals. You think Western Conference Finals? Which is where they were headed with that that team with Aldridge, and uh, they made the trade for Aaron Aflalo before uh, Wesley Wesley Matthews got in there. So look, the real issue... That's pre-Warrior super team, though. I'm saying the the, the super team dynamic, to me, dictated Lillard's ceiling for him. There's no other choice. He's not going to win any bigger anywhere else unless he joins another similar type super team. Well, I I never said the ceiling needs to be, you know, a championship series or anything like that, but first round and out, 10 consecutive Executive playoff losses, being an eighth seed, having to struggle to even make the playoffs. When you have an all NBA first team point guard, fourth in MVP voting is unacceptable. And it's boring to talk about because we've talked about it to death. But the bottom line is paying Myers Leonard $40 million, paying Alan Crabb $70 million, and somehow managing to, to, to send him out, paying Evan Turner $70 million, paying Festus Azili anything. All those different moves have limited your options. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do. And if I'm Damian Lillard, not this year, maybe not next year, but I'm starting to look around and being like, look, man, I only have one career and I'm loyal. I'm I'm incredibly loyal, but at a certain point, I gotta, I gotta win. I gotta have a chance. There's no chance here with this, with this roster around him. You know what's funny? And like, this is not even a uh, criticism of Dame necessarily. Yeah. I think he values the endearment to the market more than he values winning. I think he loves being loved. I, I think he does now, but eventually, you, be, you turn thirty. 
and you start thinking about legacy, you start thinking about those things. When Dame says, I don't want to go anywhere, I believe him. I, he's not he's not LaMarcus Aldridge in us. But is that going to hold true two and a half years from now when nothing has changed? That's a fair question. I guess, you know, only he can truly answer that, but... Yeah, he might be cut out of a different cloth. And you know what? I hope so. To parallel the discussion with Justin Herbert, I guess he he's cut out of a different cloth as well. Like, we know we, we could try to layer on what the natural decision-making prism is for these guys, but they, they're not natural creatures. You know, Herbert probably prioritizes things in a completely different way than I think he does, which is why he arrives to decisions like coming back to Oregon for one more year. Damian Lillard probably prioritizes his career in a completely different way than I think he does or think he should. You know, if it was me and the goal is simply winning, then you find a way to join LeBron down in L.A. as soon as humanly possible. If you're LeBron, you try to engineer a way to get Dame and Anthony Davis down there as soon as possible and become the next super team of the West, down the Lakers. And those two guys have been rumored to want to play with LeBron for as long as I can remember. And they're both two young guys in their 20s, ready to take the next step, ready to build on their legacy and become champions. Yeah, and you know, Dame cares about branding too. And markets don't matter as much as they used to by any stretch of the imagination, but they do matter. And he... He gets run on the big stage, the national media, but how much more would he get in a bigger market? That's something to consider. Yeah, it is. 503-417-7575. Your thoughts on uh, the Trailblazers. 19 and 15, they are third in the Northwest Division through 41% of the season. So there you have it. 34 games they've played, just 19 wins, and we're already almost halfway through the schedule. You get 23 games from Christmas to the All-Star break. That leads you up to Valentine's Day. You get 25 games after the All-Star break to the end of the regular season. So 41% of your games are done. You're the sixth seed in the Western Conference. And Samson, I mentioned this to you earlier, but in my opinion, I think you can make a case that Portland, the Portland Trailblazers, are the fourth best team in their own Division, not the West. You know, we talk about the goal being wanting home court. Look at the teams ahead of them in the Northwest Division already. Tell me, do you think they've got a shot to surpass them in the second half of the season? I sure don't. No. Denver's playing out of their minds. They're the one seed in the West as we speak. Oklahoma City is figuring some serious stuff out. Yeah, I think Paul, Paul George. Team. Paul George has become a a serious a star. He's averaging career highs and everything. I mean, Denver, obviously Utah. Yeah, only the Wolves are worse and, and not by much. But I mean, this this team is this team is good. They're just incredibly flawed. And what you're going to see for the rest of the season, like, don't be surprised if they head into New Year's having lost six out of seven. They'll have that Dallas game. Then they're going to go on a run. And we'll all get fooled into believing that there's real hope. And then they're going to have a seven-game road trip. And it's that's always tough. I don't care who you play. If you play the Wizards of the Knicks endlessly, you're still hoping to go 500. They'll kind of struggle there. And then they'll make a big push for the eight, the seven, maybe the six. Yep. For, and first round it out. That's, that seems almost like predictable enough to just ride it into stone right now because we've seen it each of the last three years i know man but the the beauty's in the journey it is <laughs> and the beauty's in the twenty thousand getting filled 
that's where the beauty is for the suits. Yeah. We're talking Damian Lillard Blazers, also talking Justin Herbert's decision to return to the University of Oregon for his senior year. If you've got any thoughts on that at 503-417-7575, let's go out to Northeast Portland. That's where Pat is. Hey, Pat. Okay, first of all, you guys, I want to preface this. I'm a huge Oregon fan, big. You know, I'm a fanatic. And uh, But Justin uh, staying another year, is, I think, made a huge mistake. I mean, first of all, um, if you look about a Washington's quarterback a few years ago, he was going to be the number one player taken in the draft. Instead, he slipped down uh, a lot lower than that and cost himself a ton of money. And then uh, Ekpre Olamu uh, stayed for his senior year at Oregon. You know, he ended up uh, luckily having an insurance co- uh, uh, policy, which I know that Justin's going to have an insurance policy, but you're talking quarterbacks here. I, I just I, I just can't understand why he's going to stay. I mean, he's going to cost himself $15 million, but I think he's going to make a lot of Oregon fans happy, including me. Yeah, he's going to make me happy too, Pat. I can't wait to watch him his senior year. And thanks for the phone call, 503-417-7575. And that's a good perspective to take. I just keep coming back to when you're making adult decisions. And look, big asterisk, I'm still learning how to adult. You know, like as a 20-something where I'm I'm getting there. But I'm learning what capital A adulting is. But I'm finding out. I would rather err on the side of immediate pain for the sake of gain down the road than anything else. Delayed gratification is what I basically try to live by. You should. That seems wise to me. In this situation, look, we say, oh, it's just one more year. A year is a very long time. It's a long time. And just as there's outstanding factors that you can't predict in the positive way for Oregon, like the influx of talent that they're getting in the incoming freshmen on the outside, like the return of a healthy Penesul. There are just as many outstanding factors that carry negative consequences that will happen that you cannot forecast, whether it's a Herbert injury whether it's Dylan Mitchell leaving for the NFL, and so you're not as talented on the outside as you thought you may have been. But whether it's any number sort of thing. What if U-Dub is crazy good? What if Jacob Eason is the best quarterback in this conference the next year and not Justin Herbert, which I would submit is a very likely scenario. There are so many hypotheticals, both positive and negative to me that you don't want to deal with. And if you're being offered seven mil a year to leave, I know what I would do. Emotions does not play a role. Let's go down to Tom and Eugene. Tom, how are you? All right. So I look at this a little different. First of all, I'm sure, you know, school can buy insurance policies for the players now. And what's Justin going to do if he doesn't make it as an athlete, he's going to be a freaking doctor. Yep. So that's not where most kids end up if they don't make it in the pros. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, so so you're saying the, the, the financial the financial aspect of it to you doesn't matter then? It just I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but if you have the don't get your degree and you go out early and you end up working at Walmart, that's not the same as being a four-point student in biology and being a doctor. His downside is not 
near as bad as most kids in this spot. That's also true. I, I grant you that. I would just, and maybe this is short-sighted of me, but I would figure making millions in the NFL is a little bit more satisfying than making millions as a doctor, but I could very well be wrong. Hey, you know, Bryce Love came back too, so. Yeah, and I always will go back to that too. Bryce Love, Heisman finalist, could have been a top 10 pick in the draft, wasn't, now what, maybe third round guy. But he wants to be a pediatrician, right? And he wants to be a pediatrician, right. And, you know, that's a guy that's dealt with head injuries in his collegiate career, too. So you got to factor that in. I, I do grant you, yes, the downside of Justin Herbert holistically is far, far less than it is for a lot of these guys that don't have 4.06 GPAs in biology. Yes, I do grant you that. And he's cut out of a different cloth than I am and, and cut out of a different cloth than most star athletes and certainly most star quarterbacks. I will grant you that as well. But in a world of full of unknowns, which has been a theme harped on by callers and myself so far today, in a world full of unknowns, I would rather try to buy into the known now, even if it meant a little pain now for a lot gained down the road. I'd rather do that than risk waking up on a November day in the middle of 2019, seeing that my team is 6-4, and four, headed to another Red Box Bowl, and my stock has fallen out of the first round of the NFL draft. We'll get to Ben and Beaverton on the other side of the break. This is the BFT. Appreciate all the calls and the takes from the audience today. You guys are an army, as always, on the BFT and the BFT Radio Network. And the day after Christmas is no exception. Bringing the heat. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson in for JC today on the day that Justin Herbert says, I will return to the University of Oregon for my senior season. We've had all sorts of opinions all over the place. Matt Bream, 24-7 Sports, he joined us in hour number one. We will get that podcasted and on 1029thegame.com uh, this afternoon as well in case you missed that. The phone number is 503-417-7575. Do you agree with Justin Herbert's decision to return to the University of Oregon? Do you disagree? Callers on the early end, Samson, seem to be like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. Then there were there have been like three or four as well that have come out swinging out of the gate saying, I'm a Duck fan. This is a wrong decision. See, and that's where I'm sort I'm sort of at. Like, I'm thrilled. I'm happy. I, I love it. We get to watch him for another year. It just it just stuns me that he's not t- he's not going pro. The money's going to be there. The draft position is going to be there. It's a weak quarterback class. Certainty. Everyone wants right. certainty, and there is certainty now. Ben is out in Beaverton. He's on the phone line right now. Ben, what's your thoughts on it? Well, actually, coming from it, I'm going to dovetail with the last caller before the break, what he said. Like, Justin Herbert is got very little downside if somehow he does not end up playing in the NFL. But I think there's a couple other things to take into consideration. Now, I'm not a Duck fan. I'm actually from Arizona State, so I'm a scum devil, and I'm on the Herm train. And him coming back is decidedly bad for my organization. But here's what I think. You guys are all looking at this, and the people who are coming out swinging are looking at it like spectators. As an athlete and as a former athlete myself, you do not look at your potential of being injured when you play. You can't play scared. You have to play with that kind of reckless abandonment. And you guys keep asking, what if, what if this injury, what if that injury? Well, let's look at the, look 
Oregon. What if he goes out there and just absolutely blows it up? Now, Oregon has one of the five best recruiting classes coming into this next season. He could go in there and just light it up and set the world on fire and raise his stock, and nobody's even really taken that into consideration. Andrew Luck is nodding vigorously with you, as is Peyton Manning, as is Eli Manning. I under, I, I validate that point. It's a good call. It's a good take, Ben. But, <laughs> that, like I said at the top, this raises the stakes not only for Herbert, but it raises the stakes for Marcus freaking Arroyo. Oh, yeah. Because here's the thing, man, like... And, and Cristobal as well, obviously, because he's co-running this offense with Justin Herbert back in the fold. You can't be 60-40 run between the tackles. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Can't do it. Not going to be able to do it. Not do it. going with that philosophy. We're not running that back one more time. This isn't Braxton Burmeister. This is Justin freaking Herbert coming back for one more year. Let the guy breathe for crying out loud. Let him get a five and seven step drop and throw it down the field. And I understand that comes in partnership with the personnel that you have. So my big question that still has to be answered, and I'm not sure how exactly it will be answered, but the very first time that you can answer it is not against San Jose State, not against Portland State, and not against Grambling State. It's going to be against Auburn. Auburn. That's going to be your first major test. And the very same question that we had about Washington going into week one and how that Washington-Auburn game set the table for the rest of the storylines on the Pac-12 conference, and we saw how bad a year it was for the Pac-12 because Washington was the first domino to fall by losing to Auburn in week one. Now Oregon has to get tested against that same Auburn team in week one. And you've got Justin Herbert coming back. You better be sure that you've got an offense capable of maximizing itself if you've got the best quarterback in the country. Is Arroyo even that guy, though? Everyone's talking about Herbert. How long does it take before all eyes turn that direction? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this, by the way, I like fired up Judah, man. You're you're getting down there swinging the arm a little bit. I love that. <laughs> you can't simulate this take. That's right. Ryan is out in Vancouver. What's up, Ryan? Hey, uh, not much. I'm just getting off work, but I was I thought haven't caught everything you said today about this, but well, first, I, I I like the move. I like him coming back. I think it'll help him in the future. He might have hurt himself a little bit, but in the long run, he's, he'll be he'll be good. Uh, my other point is on this note is that uh, this gives Oregon another chance to find a replacement for him. Unlike when Mariota was here, and he you know at all the time they didn't do anything with it, and then we struggled a little bit. But now that Herbert's coming back, you got another year to find that guy that's going to replace him. Yeah, and that's a good call, Ryan, and that, to me, makes a decision. I think Tyler Shuck is still redshirt eligible because the Red Box Bowl, even if he would play, which I don't think he would now, um, but even if he did, I think would only be his fourth game. So he's still redshirt eligible. Braxton Burmeister, just remove him from the equation. I'm not even considering a serious conversation that Braxton Burmeister will get meaningful snaps. The conversation with him should be who's better, Jeff Lockie or Braxton Burmeister. I mean, you know, we we could have fun with that maybe on a slow news day. Um, K.O. Millen, three-star quarterback 
just signed, so he'll be an incoming freshman next year. He's the son of former University of Washington legend Hugh Millen, who played in the NFL for a while as well. So K.O. Millen is going to be the most raw, talented quarterback, but that, it's really Tyler Shuck. And Tyler will probably be a redshirt freshman next year, and he'll be the guy that Duck fans will look to as a redshirt sophomore once Herbert leaves to take over the reins and be the starting quarterback. Now, will he be good? What what are his strengths and weaknesses? It's just about impossible to say because basically in every game that he appeared this year, he was just handing the ball off. But all reports indicate that he's got the potential, he's got the talent ceiling to at least be a competent, adequate, if not very good, Oregon Ducks starting quarterback down the road. Counterpoint, I thought a lot of those same things were said about Braxton Burmeister, and we've seen uh, what the... Uh, what the truth has been revealed on him. So I guess we can only wait and see. But Tyler Shuck and Kale Millen are the two guys that I think, in terms of talking about Oregon football the next two, three, four years, you'll be talking about the most from a quarterback position. Down to Eugene we go. What's up, Dennis and Eugene? Dennis, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you. I got uh, three points real quick. First off, I live here. I am a duck as is Herbert, a little bit different than when you play for your home school than when you're you're going to a school to play. Secondly, uh, when uh, we were doing well when Sewell was up, right, uh, that left tackle thing really put us back, I thought. And thirdly, answer this for me, I don't know if this is correct or not, but if if Herbert is a uh, high draft candidate, does, isn't he eligible for catastrophic insurance next year? Yes, to those questions. Yes, thanks for the phone call, Dennis. Yes, he is insurance eligible. Yes, he will most likely purchase that insurance. Yes, and that's fine. And and I agree that that's a very good proactive move that uh, Players Association made in conjunction with the NCAA and their universities. It's very smart. It's very rational. All all that said, and that's good. But um, you know, we're we're acting like it's the same thing to not be injured and play in the NFL. And that's the same thing as getting the catastrophic injury, but it's okay because you have the insurance. You still got injured. Like, that's the sucky thing. Great. What, what about the love of the game? You don't get to play the game. Yeah, not even remotely the same. It's not the same. Like, it's a great thing to have in your back pocket, but they're not the same thing. So, I don't know. That's where I kind of stand on it. I'm surprised. I had my mind made up. And by the way, like just to pull it back behind the curtain a little bit here, we got a break coming up. But when I process big topics, you know, and I try to advance my thought from point A through point B and get all the way halfway down the alphabet at least, if not to Z, I'm, do, I'm literally writing it out long form in a work journal type of thing. That's how I process. Is, I, that, is that what you're doing over that, there? I have to. Like that's part of, you know, and I, I even do... Yeah, I won't get too much into my life philosophy, but I do the same thing for real life. But I do similar stuff for sports takes because I have to advance my thought on paper to see it fleshed out. And I've done this a lot with Justin Herbert's situation, and God bless the man. And I, I appreciate him so much, and I can't wait to see him next year. But I did that, and as much as I thought about it and the more I advanced that thought, I just came to the conclusion that, he was going to go pro, and I thought he was going to skip the Red Box Bowl as well. I was ready for all of that. I, and to me, it was just a matter of time. 
to where he would announce. And I think maybe I got a little bit confused with my personal stance on it and where I projected his personal stance would be on it and merged the two. But I think we revealed today Justin Herbert is cut out of a different cloth. He just is. For Duck fans, they're rejoicing that that cloth is colored green and yellow. For me, from a 30,000-foot perspective, that cloth has some holes in it. More BFT coming up. Nick Aliotti joins the program in 22 minutes at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson filling in for JC today on the BFT and the BFT Radio Network. We had a whole show nailed down, lined up, ready to rock, and then Justin Herbert decided to uh, make his announcement that he's coming back to the University of Oregon. So the first half of the show has been devoted to Justin Herbert reaction, and we've gotten it from all over the place on social media, Twitter, Facebook, on the phone lines at 503-417-7575. It's been fairly split, I would say probably about... 65 35 pro Herbert. To, yeah, that's to, a, does that sound right? Sam? Sounds about know? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just to me, you know, I if I have if I've got a tough decision to make, I will just default for a little pain now for a lot gain later. And that to me would have meant the pain of saying goodbye to your friends and your family at University of Oregon for the lot gain of top 10 NFL draft pick and put yourself in the most, you know, apt situation to thrive for a decade plus at the NFL level. But priorities lay elsewhere with Justin Herbert, and guess what? That's okay. It's a both-and discussion, not an either-or discussion. And that's what I think sometimes gets lost in all this. Yeah, it's not all black and white. You you have your take, you have your opinion, and people are like, well, no, that's where it's, well, you could, you could say I don't agree with this decision, but it's also a great decision. Mm-hmm. It's just not necessarily the best decision. I don't know. People have a hard time sometimes. We, we look at everything. We have a snap reaction, and it's so easy to say, yes. No, yes, no, but but man, it's in the gray area, and especially when you do, we don't even know what's going through his mind. We don't really know who Justin Herbert is. Maybe, and I'm not speculating on this, but maybe he doesn't even care about the NFL. I doubt that, but we can give our reaction, but we don't really know what's going on. Yeah, man, I everyone that points out the Andrew Luck comparison of a similar decision to come back. I mean, I, can't we all agree that yeah. even though Justin Herbert's damn good, he ain't Andrew Luck? Like, we all know that, right? Like, it's not just me. Okay, <laughs> People will point to the Eli Manning, Peyton Manning comps. Their last name is Manning. So, they're different talent levels. And so, if you factor in talent level with prognostication and what the experts think and with what mock drafts say and, and millions of dollars, I don't care about insurance policies. Okay, insurance policy is great and it works only if you get catastrophically hurt. And that's a terrible thing to risk, in my opinion. Let's get some punch it audio. This is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Yeah, my bad on that, bro. I think I got a little bit of that Christmas uh, uh, prime rib hangover going on there. Nah, dude, I I left you hanging out to dry. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr., well, we know his thoughts about 
Oregon Duck quarterback Justin Herbert. He had him as his sixth overall prospect and his top quarterback. This was him on ESPN this afternoon reacting to Justin Herbert's decision to come back for his senior season. Punch it. I'm not surprised at all, Wendy, and for every radio TV show I've done over the last two months when I asked the question about Justin Herbert, I talked about it was best for him to go back to Oregon. He kind of regressed a little bit. The statistics were down. Statistics reflective in the tape study, the film evaluation of Justin Herbert, some throws he should have been making. He was a little off on, didn't play his best football this year. And I think by going back with the offensive line and the skill count around him, his brother's coming in as a recruit, a tight end. I think it's all set up as it was for Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Going back for another year can a lot of times benefit you dramatically. I think for Justin Herbert, it's a very wise decision. Yeah, Eli, Peyton, Andrew, they all did it. Therefore, it will happen for Justin as well. Chalk it up right now. He'll be the top pick in the draft. I think that's just a little foolhardy. And I like Mel Kuyper. He's built himself a brand and and a certain reputation. This guy had Josh Allen as his number one quarterback and his number one overall prospect for a full season and never took him down. He was still... Josh Allen was Mel Kuyper's pick to be number one pick overall the day of the draft. I just got to throw that in there to throw a little bit of, uh, you know, cold water on the, the hot Mel Kuyper Jr. takes. And to be honest, God bless Mel Kuyper, but I think we in the Oregon Duck country see it more clearly than he does. We see it a little more clearly because we have the more, you know, we watch him every single snap of every single game. I think Kuiper sees a lot of tape, but I don't know if he sees it as clearly as, as we can out here just yet. Elsewhere, there is another Pac-12 team playing in a bowl game tonight. And a former Oregon Duck takes his Cal Golden Bears to take on Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. Justin Wilcox, punch it. We're excited to play against TCU, one of the premier programs in the country under Coach Patterson. Have a ton of respect for them. We're looking forward to a really hard-fought, tough game. Yeah, it's going to be hard fought and tough. Do you see what the total is on this game? 39. 39 for the total? 39 for the total. Wow. You've got 7 and 5 Cal, 6 and 6 TCU. This is the Cheese It Bowl. 6 o'clock on ESPN down in Phoenix. Going to be played at Chase Field, the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, yeah, the total is 39. So. This is going to be a hard one to watch. It's going to probably look a lot like Cal and UW looked like in November when Cal pulled the upset of the Huskies down in Berkeley. Yeah, I'm stunned that the Cheez-It Bowl is going to be a hardly watchable game. <laughs> Tongue firmly planted in cheek. <laughs> Looks like TCU, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, has a 53% chance to win. But Cal is favored in the game, according to Vegas, by one and a half points. You've got Cal averaging 23 points a game, TCU averaging 25 points a game. Each side averages about the same amount of yards per game and points per game as well. So, you know, it'll be a, a war of attrition, as they say. All I know is that I hope Cal wins this game just to salvage something for the reputation of the Pac-12 Conference right now because it did not start out very well when the fight in Herms lost in the Vegas Bowl to Marcus McMarion. Jeff Tedford and Fresno State by a couple of scores a couple of weeks ago. Blazers played last night, Christmas in Salt Lake. Six on the shot clock, Donovan razzle-dazzle into a three, got it. And Donovan's a bobblehead going back the other way. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, is uh, he's got some swag. 
and he's got some skill to him as well. It's been a bit of an odd year for the Jazz so far from a win-loss perspective, but in the last week plus, they're really turning it around. Home win over Golden State, now back-to-back wins over the Blazers in four days by a combined 51 points. Nice and cozy margin of victory there, Samson. Let's talk about Utah, though. The job that Quinn Snyder continues to do with this team year in and year out is nothing short of exceptional. And though they're on the outside looking into the playoffs right now, it's a team to worry about in the second half. Yeah, Quinn Snyder is not just awesome because he looks like an extra in Goodfellas. He's a really good coach. He's a defensive (laughs) coach. Look, this Utah Jazz season is going to be a mirror image of last year. Remember, they were terrible last year. It was a brutal schedule. They had also lost Gobert for, gosh, I think about two months with the knee injury. The schedule eased up. Basically, from New Year's on, they had the easiest uh, stretch of games in the league. And remember when they came on like gangbusters? They won something like 20 out of 21, and uh, they were tough down the stretch. They're just a good team. I'm telling you, Utah's going to have a home court advantage in the playoffs. I was listening to uh, the J.J. Redick podcast the other day, and he was asked, who are the best, like, shooters in the league that we don't talk about? So Joe take, Ingles. Yeah, so take take out everyone on the Warriors, and he's like, Joe Ingles when he's not moving. He's like, Joe Ingles spot up is one of the best shooters in the league that we never give any credit to. And he's a, a, a sneaky uh, trash talker. He's an irritant, man, which I wish Portland had a guy that would, like a Patrick Beverly or something like that, that would get in the other team's grill. There's a great, great little fan video on you know on streamable or Twitter or whatever. Nurkic is out on him, and Ingles is standing there, and you can read his lips. He goes, I'm going to shoot. And then gives Nurkic about a second and a half, and then he just buries a three right in his face. Joe Ingles, man, he's he's a good, good player, fun guy to watch. As for uh, Terry Stotts, he said Blazers played a little bit better last night than they did on Friday. No kidding. Punch it. Obviously, I thought we played better. Uh, they made a very similar game four days ago. You know, we hit it. We had uh, kind of in striking distance, and they went on a 7-0 run that, widen the gap and then it was the game wasn't manageable anymore yeah utah was 0 for 8 from three-point range in the first quarter and then 13 for 21 the rest of the game so 62 percent from deep in the final three quarters now for the blazers samson i mean this is they still got golden state and philly coming up before the new year hits this team has a ways to go it feels like and and even though they've struggled in recent past i'm not sure if we've seen the floor of this team season yet Oh no! There, you, it can always go further. Look, and I said it earlier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pound this point over and over. They're good enough to get hot. They're bad enough to go in these terrible runs. It's gonna be frustrating and in, inconsistent until there's just better personnel. It's not Terry Stotts. I'm starting to see we're getting into the time of year where he's starting to take heat from the fan base. It's not his fault. It's the players around Dame, and there's, there's nothing you can do. But look. They lost to Utah. They fortunately beat Dallas in overtime, and they lost to Utah before that. I mean, do you really see them beating the Warriors once, let alone twice? 76ers? I mean, it's very, very possible they're going to roll into the break having lost 5-6. to Well, speaking of the Warriors, what a bizarre result last night. Lakers go in there and rip out a win and rip it convincingly, even with LeBron missing the final quarter and a half due to a groin injury. James speaking after the game. Punch it. I take a lot of pride in it, so that's why it pissed me off not to be able to go back into the game. 
It's uh, more than anything being, um, you know, being available to my to my teammates, being available to my coaching staff. Uh, that's something I take more uh, personal than anything. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's not a, it's not a long thing, and I can get back on the floor as, as soon as possible. The most important ability is availability. And when we discuss LeBron James, sometimes we forget about how available he has been in his career to every team that he's played on. The Lakers are no exception. They won this game, Samson. I was shocked. I was watching this one. I had left my family's house in the third quarter, heard that James had exited with the injury. It was about an eight-point game at the time. Lakers withstood a run at the end of the third quarter, but going into the fourth quarter, you got no LeBron. He ain't coming back. It's an eight-point game. I th- I was like, this is this one's over. I'm going to look at the score later. It's going to be a double-digit Warriors win. Well, it was a double-digit game all right. But it was the Lakers that pulled away even further, man. What happened to this team? It was the rare game. Look, Draymond, Steph, Clay, and even to a degree, Kevin Durant. I think Durant finished with, I don't know, 21 or something like that. But they all struggled from the outside this game, and that doesn't usually happen, and that's what makes them scary. They have so much firepower. Oh, Clay has a bad game. Clay has a bad month. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We have Kevin Durant, the best one-on-one player in the game. We got Steph, back-to-back MVP playing like his old self, but it was just that rare confluence of events where they all struggled from uh, the outside, and that's not to take away what the Lakers did. Look, those young guys, they played some solid defense. They were making their shots. Kuzma, Ingram, Rondo had a great game off the bench. Credit where credit is due, but look, nine times out of ten, the Warriors do come back from that eight-point deficit. That uh, 21-year-old seven-footer that they got. Zubach. Zubach, dude, he can play. Yeah. He can, he can play. He's got two double-doubles in his last three games. And JaVale McGee's been out with the sickness, but Zubach can play. All right, that'll be it for Punch It Audio for now. Uh, on the other side, we'll get a big splash. Nick Aliotti joins us at 2 o'clock. I want to continue to discuss the NBA and the Western Conference standings through Christmas, considering this is Tier 1 of the three-tiered NBA season in the books. Where exactly do the Blazers fit? Is there any chance that you know they can still attack a top four potential seed? We'll make that case. We'll make that case in the final hour because I do think it exists. Whether or not it's likely is another question. More BFT coming up. Nick Aliotti will join us here in just a couple of moments on the BFT. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson, N4JC today on the 26th of December, 2018. The day Justin Herbert decides to stay in Oregon Duck for one more season. Taking your calls as well at 503-417-7575. And on that note, let's get splashy. The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Sir, down there. The Big Splash. Oh, boy. We we got some duck-on-duck Twitter crime going on in live time right now. Peter Sampson, I'm going to bring you in on this as well. Akili Smith, you know, he, he loves the ducks. Obviously, he yeah. loves the Ducks. He's been on this program. He's been on our airwaves. He loves the Ducks. He posted on Twitter the uh, image of Justin Herbert from the Oregon Ducks and that he's coming back, and it's got that quote in there as well, the statement from Herbert through the university. I'll be returning to the University of Oregon for my senior year. And Akili says on Twitter, 
Natty Run starts now. Hashtag Go Ducks. Hashtag Proud Alum. And then he says, what does Dylan Mitchell do? He tags Dylan Mitchell's Twitter, at DMFM1 do. <laughs> and Dylan Mitchell just tweeted back at Akili Smith, asking Dylan Mitchell, what is he going to do in light of this Herbert decision to return? Dylan Mitchell says, quote, you funny. You didn't even want Justin to throw me the ball for majority of the year. I never asked him for the rock. Some people are real and some people are good. Some people are fake and some people are real good at being fake. I've spotted a lot of snakes. Keep it up, slime. <laughs> Unquote. Dylan Mitchell calling Akili Smith, capital S, slime, a snake, and calling him real good at being fake. Oh, man. Yes, this is unnecessary, but I can't take my eyes off. I haven't heard anyone. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone (laughs) drop a slime blast before. (laughs) Hashtag slime blast. And I don't know if this Justin Herbert decision, how it will affect Dylan Mitchell's decision, but all I do know is Dylan Mitchell's got some pent-up aggression against Akili Smith. And I know Akili's been critical of the Duck offense all year long, especially when it hasn't produced, but hasn't everybody else? This is some high-profile Duck-on-Duck social media crime right now. Nick Aliotti's not on social media. He joins us next. John Gonzano, raw, sourced, fresh. From the PacWest Center in downtown Portland, built by high-caliber millwrights, this is the bald-faced truth. Duck fan, are you ready for another season of Justin Herbert in 2019? You better get ready, because he is coming back. BFT on a... Boxing Day, the 26th of December. Happy Boxing Day to everybody, in case uh, any of our listening audience observes that somehow. Eh, I doubt it, but there might be a couple. And if there's a couple that do, a couple is worth it. Happy Boxing Day. Uh, We got Nick Aliotti on the line to kick off our final hour on the BFT and the BFT Radio Network. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson in for John Canzano today. And, uh... Coach, it's always good to talk football with you. We do so at least once a week during the regular season of college football, and it's good to talk to you once more. How was your Christmas, first of all? Fantastic, and a belated Merry Christmas to you guys. Yes, sir. We had a great Christmas. That's awesome. And Doug fans are getting a belated Merry Christmas as well today, Coach, with Justin Herbert announcing that he's coming back for his senior year. Uh, What was your reaction when you heard the news? You know, uh, I don't really get too involved in what a young man decides to do. Uh, And I know there's been all kinds of calls going into your station, a lot of conversation about it today. But knowing what I know about Justin Herbert, his family, and I was very close to his grandfather, Rich Schwab, who passed away this last year, uh, it did not surprise me that Justin's coming back. It did not surprise you necessarily. Now, from a from you've seen a lot of Justin Herbert in real time on the football field. You've seen a lot of Justin Herbert 
tape as well. From a talent perspective, Coach, is this the right and wise move as well? Does he have a lot of room to grow before he is NFL ready? First of all, I think Justin Herbert is a fantastic quarterback and is going to be an outstanding pro. I want to say that. But, uh, you know, there's always room to grow. I mean, there's arguments for both sides. You know, the money is always a, a tough thing, and I hear that on the show about passing that up and your stock could go down and you can get hurt. And all that stuff's true. But arguably, college is the best years of your life. I mean, I look about being in college and playing college football and with my teammates and he grew up a duck and grew up in Eugene and home and stuff like that. So I could see why he did it. I mean, I understand it's the best years of life and he's excited to stay at home and keep playing college football with his teammates. And, and uh, he believes that good things will happen in the future. So yeah, there's an argument for, for both, both ways, but I understand what he's doing. What does this mean for the expectation for Oregon football in 2019, given that their best player is coming back, given the recruiting class that they just signed, including the top recruit in the country? And, uh, you know, we're still waiting on Dylan Mitchell and Troy Dye's decision about whether or not they will also return. But with Herbert back in the fold, I mean, they've got a tough schedule next year, Coach, but there's got to be a high level of expectation as well for next season. Well, I, I think Oregon fans, it's very exciting because anytime you could have a, a almost a four-year starter at quarterback returning, especially one like Justin Herbert, uh, you start with that position, your chances of having great success go up uh, – instrumentally because of because of that quarterback position so it's very exciting for Oregon and Oregon fans and the University of Oregon football team that Justin's coming back yeah it is exciting no question about it but I mean part of me also thinks that there's a little bit more pressure on Marcus Arroyo as a play caller to make sure the offense is being maximized next year and not suffocated in a lot of ways it felt like they were taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands this year coach we had a lot of those same conversations after a lot of Ducks games like the 44 to 15 loss down at Arizona you can't afford to have those kind of hiccups next season well as a football coach Judah there's always pressure every year's mutually exclusive of the last one and it's what have you done for me lately and and I do believe that Justin Herbert's talents could be used a lot more, let him air it out more. And, and there's some tinkering and, in my opinion, some tinkering and some uh, searching on how they can make the pass game a little bit better. But that's up to the coaching staff. But I'm sure they'll look into that. Uh, they, need to, they need to improve that a little bit so that Justin can be thrown to more – uh, developed passing, a more developed passing game. But I'm sure they'll work on that. What about on the defensive side of the ball with Troy Dye? How would you kind of determine his NFL prospects? And is he someone that should return as well for a senior season or perhaps take a pretty critical eye at the uh, National Football League? 
you know, first of all, let's regress a little bit. Isn't it refreshing? Isn't it refreshing that a young man like Justin Herbert is going to continue to play college football and not get caught up in all the other stuff that, that gets caught up in, in today's athletic world? I think it's kind of cool. It's refreshing to me. Uh, that being said, Troy Dye is an outstanding linebacker. He has a big decision to make. Uh, I truly believe with Justin coming back that both of those guys will stay now. I really do. I think they've probably talked about it and probably say, hey, we have a chance to have something special with this quarterback, this receiver who had an outstanding year, and a starting linebacker who's had three great years, and what they have coming in. And I don't put a lot of stock in what's coming in yet because it usually takes two years before you know exactly what you have, no matter how many stars they have. But they have a lot of pieces coming back. The offensive lineman that's now healthy and might play in the bowl game coming back. Thorn, Thorn, uh, how, how do I pronounce his name? Thorn Throckmorton. Throckmorton. There you go. He's coming back. There's a Sorry about that. I knew what I wanted to say. There's a lot of pieces coming back, so it's very exciting for Oregon football. So I think the other two guys are going to end up staying too. Um, when you look at a guy like this, this Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end, great pass rusher, but he's just coming out of high school. Everybody's, you know, adulating him as the top recruit in the country. Coach, when you go back and think about your DC run at Oregon, um, you know, what, what is kind of the approach that Jim Levitt will take or could take with a guy of Thibodeau's stock, someone that's just overwhelming as a physical specimen and as a talent, and then you're trying to incorporate him into a team culture and dynamic and your scheme, and you're also trying to develop him to be ready to play at the next level eventually as well. What kind of challenge is that? Because we don't talk about the, that from a coaching standpoint very much. A lot of people just ride in it as if it's an expectation that Thibodeau will be immediately a star the first down that he takes at University of Oregon. But what kind of challenge is it to also incorporate a, ta- a guy of his talent and his stature into your defense? Well, first of all, I haven't studied this young man, but obviously what you read and what you hear He's a dynamic pass rusher. He's a little bit undersized right now, so it's going to take some time. When I say undersized, I think he's around 240. Am I correct? Yeah. Something like that. So, I mean, he's going to be going up against men now that it's a quantum leap to go from high school to college, particularly when you're a freshman playing against third-year guys, fourth-year guys, and some fifth-year seniors. It's going to be a quantum leap for him. But his talent, from what I hear and read, is, is pretty special, but it all depends on the young man. Is You know, I, I say this a lot about SC, all these four and five stars. I don't care how many stars you come up into school with. I want you to go out as a four or five star guy. So if he's the right type of character, he's coming in as a five and he'll go out as a five because he'll get coached very well by Levin and his staff and Salovey and all those guys. But if he's not, He'll end up being a guy that's just a guy that had five stars and didn't ever perform to his potential. So it's really up to the young man how they come in and work because he'll be coached very well. Uh, The ball's in his court to take the coaching, take the teaching, and then put that with his skills, work in the weight room, all those kinds of things, in the classroom, and then he will be truly a five-star player. But I don't ever get 
caught up in how many stars they come up with, come into school with. It's how many they go out with. So Nick, we'll see what kind of man he is and how he works. Nick Aliotti joining us on the BFT. Uh, when you think about your time at Oregon, what uh, defensive player comes to mind for you that was an example of a guy that may have been under the radar as a recruit, but then you got your hands on him, and then that player just worked his butt off relentlessly and became something special on the defensive side of the ball. I know there's multiple examples that you could pick, but there are. But what comes to mind for you? Well, I could two jump out at me, maybe three jump jump off the screen. Kenny Wheaton. Kiko Alonso, Chad Coda. All three of those guys came in as under-recruited guys. They might have been lucky if they had three stars. They weren't heavily recruited. Uh, and they all played in the NFL, and they all were great players for the University of Oregon and for us because of what we talked about earlier with Thibodeau. They were young men that took to coaching, that outworked everybody, both in the classroom as far as film study, did, did what they had to do off the field, on the practice field, worked their tails off, were good leaders, and kept working and working and working. And they became and went out as five-star guys. And Kiko's still playing. Uh, Kenny had a good career. And Coda got seven or eight years in the NFL. So those are three guys that are prime examples of young men that come in and get the most out of their abilities. You know, I love hearing you talk about that because now now we're humanizing Duck players from different eras even. And I know Coda and Wheaton were contemporaries, but, you know, Kiko playing in the Chip Kelly uh, uh, tenure along with yourself at defensive coordinator, coach. And, um, you know, how much of that work ethic is intrinsic in a player already, how much of that work ethic can be taught? Does that make sense? Like when a guy gets on yeah, campus, can lot, you? It makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. I think most of it, most of it is already in them, and that's why when you go out recruit, you know, I don't want to burst uh, anybody's bubble, but Oregon had a great recruiting year on paper, and that's fantastic, and that's awesome, but it's the character of those kids that will lead them to be the great player down the road. So hopefully one thing I always tried to value myself on is, is evaluating that person, not only as a player, but the type of work ethic and type of person they were, how they, they handled their business. Those are the ones that become the great ones. Even the NFL, they all have talent, but it's the guys that go the extra yard, put in the extra time, that end up being the great one. And to parallel that with the Justin Herbert discussion, he qualifies as one of those great ones, doesn't he? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm not going to get in a debate with you or anybody about what he should have done. You know, you think they didn't sit down as a family over Christmas, it sounds like, and you think they didn't go over all the pros and cons and getting injured and losing this money and all that the guy's a 4.0 student, okay? He's a 4.0-plus student. They went over all this stuff. They figured it out, and he evidently valued 
his college experience and a chance to do something special next year with his teammates over instant gratification and the fact that he's going to get all this money. And he's, he's gambling on the fact that he's going to get it down the road but enjoy the moment. And I, for one, being a dinosaur and an old coach that really likes kids that do this kind of thing, I am applauding him for his decision and saying, more power to you, Justin. Good luck next year, and I hope everything falls into place. Coach, that's well put. Thanks for your time. It's good to hear your voice, as always, and uh, have a great holiday week. We'll probably speak to you again as New Year's Eve and the Red Box Bowl approaches. Judah, I appreciate you very much. I know there's going to be more banter and conversation on this Herbert thing, but let's just let the kid do what he wanted to do. Uh, you know, the debate's over. He decided to stay. Good for him. Have a great day. There he is. Coach Aliotti with the mic drop gives me some stuff to chew on. We'll be back after this. If you want to react to that conversation with Nick Aliota, you can at 503-417-7575. Get some response on the tweet machine as well. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. Judah Newby, Peter Sampson, N4JC today. On the day, Justin Herbert decides to come back for senior season at the University of Oregon. I feel it necessary to give a personal response of sorts to uh, the conversation with Coach Aliotti. First of all, I always love talking to Coach, and as we continue peeling the curtain back further and further, I talk to Coach pretty frequently during the uh, college football season, part of my hosting responsibilities on the weekends uh, of a college football show that I co-host with the College Football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax. And both before those conversations with Aliotti, myself and Neil, and, and after the conversations, I'll often be on the phone with Coach, and we'll talk all sorts of things, football, life, whatever. And so there's never anything you know, taken personally ever in our conversations. That's first and foremost up front. And, I, and it gets me fired up about life. It gets me fired up about football. How can you not be fired up when you talk about uh, college football with, with Nick Aliotti? That being said, it was a bit of a surreal moment there, the last couple of answers on that interview where he says, I know a lot of conversation is going to be about Justin Herbert, but the conversation's over. The conversation's over. The debate is over. Let's just respect the decision that this young man has made for his Oregon football career. And I, I'm all for that. Look, this is a talk show. We give opinions. We get information, we funnel it out through opinions. We open it up to listening members of the audience to engage and react. So yeah, if I separated myself from the format of talk radio for just a moment, yes, I can I understand completely how Justin Herbert arrived to his decision. And if we weren't on talk radio right now, and if I wasn't hosting three hours, then maybe I wouldn't be so inclined to insert my opinion, because sometimes opinions are not always warranted. But they are warranted 
when you're hosting three hours of talk radio. Well, not only that, we've banged out more than 20 phone calls. This is the hot topic of the day. You know, yes. people do want to talk about this. And there have been callers that have called in and agreed with my take yeah. that he should not necessarily have come back. And if you if you want to push back and be angry at that, fine. I mean, look, that's what opinions are for, especially on hot-button issues. In the end, I'm super happy for the guy. I am genuinely 100% happy. I would love to sit down with Justin and talk about his process and how he got to the decision that he made. I would have loved to have had more access to his brain, that 4.06 GPA brain, that big old cranium on number 10. I would love to climb inside and see what he does value and what he does prioritize because I would learn a lot from him. He's a smart, capable, moral, upstanding, worthy of emulation to the younger Duck fans. He's the poster child for what you want your quarterback to be in college football. He is. And that is awesome. And again, this is a both-and conversation, not an either-or conversation. So I'm both thrilled for Justin Herbert excited for him to come back, and I validate and respect his decision. And I critique it from my own view. Those things are not mutually exclusive. They can both happen. Do you have the capacity to listen to that and accept that? You know, that's that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Justin Herbert in in uniform next season. What would it look like for Justin Herbert to prove me wrong today on this 26th of December? It would be for him to lead Oregon to a 10-win season, a Pac-12 title, a New Year's Six, and to be a top-five pick in the NFL draft. That's what would prove me wrong. And I will be willing to predict right now that that will not happen. Hashtag opinion, hashtag analysis, (laughs) hashtag come at me on the Twitter. But you know what? No matter how much Twitter criticism I might get for that take today, it's it's still taking a backseat to this Dylan Mitchell, Akili Smith Twitter feud. Yeah, did you see the updated? <laughs> Akili fired back after uh, after uh, Dylan Mitchell dropped a slime blast on him. <laughs> Dylan Mitchell literally called Akili Smith slime. So we we said this right before the top of the two o'clock hour. Akili Smith said, "You know, Justin Herbert's coming back. We're making that natty run." I wonder what this means for Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell replied saying, you funny. You didn't even want Justin to throw me the ball the majority of the year. I never asked him for the rock. Some people are real and some people are good. Some people are fake and some people are are real good at being fake. I've spotted a lot of snakes. Keep it up. Slime. (laughs) That is Dylan Mitchell responding to Akili Smith. Akili gets back on him on the tweet machine saying, nah, you funny thinking our offense should throw the ball to one receiver. When that philosophy started, our offense sputtered. That's a fact. Hashtag spread the ball around. And that's where Akili Smith loses the argument because... What does he think? Dylan Mitchell's in there calling the plays? Does he think Marcus Arroyo's got that little power? Dylan Mitchell... 
got the ball repeatedly because he was the only one that could catch it. He was the only one that could get open. Yeah, see, I agree with you, Samson. I think uh, unless Akili knows something that we don't know, and we'll, we'll have to reach out to him see if he'll jump on the program. Unless he knows something I don't know. It, it sounds like he thinks Dylan Mitchell got in Justin Herbert's ear and was like, yo, man, you see these other cats we have playing on the outside? Can't trust these guys. Give me the rock. And Dylan is saying, dude, I never asked for the rock. Yeah. Some people are fake and some people are real good at being fake. Keep it up, slime. Slime. I mean, dude, that's a slime blast at one of the best quarterbacks <laughs> in program history. I mean, there's no respecting of elders going on with Dylan Mitchell right now. Well, Keely Smith called him out. No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't call him out. He said, what does he do? Hashtag Natty Run. He was just asking for Dylan Mitchell's answer, what he's uh, going to come back for or not. Yeah, he wasn't okay. calling him okay, out. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, viewing it, I'm viewing it in the full context now. I see that. Okay. Like, Dylan Mitchell just, he got all, he took it adversely for no reason. Shocking from a you know twenty year old, but still, frankly, I'm shocked that Mitchell's tweet is still up. But yeah, going back on fourth with Akili Smith, and look, Akili is, you know, for a former player in and uh, NFL quarterback and quarterback guru coach, he's got some fiery takes on the social too from time to time. Yeah. So I guess I'm not surprised by that, but. Kind of surprised at the animosity between those two guys all of a sudden. Probably not what Mario Cristobal wanted stepping right <laughs> off the plane in San Francisco, looking down at Twitter and seeing that Akili Smith and Dylan Mitchell are getting in a Twitter beef ahead of the first practice before the Red Box Bowl. You know, what does that say about the difference between Justin Herbert and Dylan Mitchell? Justin Herbert, who's who not even on Twitter, yeah. and yet wants to go through the route of announcing his decision before the team even gets on the plane of the Red Box Bowl because he was that conscious about him potentially being a minor distraction for the game. He says, let's get ahead of all that. I will supply the answer through the channels of the university before we even fly out of Eugene, and it will take care of itself. As soon as they land, Dylan Mitchell is calling one of the greatest Duck alumni ever a snake and slime. <laughs> Achilles slime. Yeah. Achilles slime. Yeah. You wonder what's going on behind the scenes that, that Mitchell went straight to. You didn't want Justin to throw me the ball. I never asked him. I really want to want to find out what drove him to go straight there because it's obviously something. Yeah, there's there's maybe some uh, DM talk going behind the scenes between Akili and Dylan that we're not privy to, but we'll reach out to Akili and see if he can't clear all this up, jump on the show, and provide us some, uh, some context. But in the meantime, take Dylan Mitchell's phone away. <laughs> we don't need that. All right, just a half hour to go on the BFT. More of your phone calls at 503-417-7575. More of your reaction to Justin Herbert deciding to come back. Did he make the right decision? Am I just so clearly in the wrong for even thinking about criticizing his decision? I mean, let's just have a conversation. I'm willing to hear all comers and, and all takes. Like, that's what we're here to do. That That's the beauty of the platform. That's the beauty of the radio show. So 503-417-7575. Plus, we got the two at two. And what were they thinking? This is the BFT. Junior newbie Peter Sampson in for JC on the BFT today. 
wished everyone a happy Boxing Day earlier. Uh, former Oregon Duck lineman Nick Cody got at me on the uh, tweet machine. We all love Nick. Nick oh, yeah. One of the uh, the great interactive listeners of this program. Shout out, Nick. He said, hey, forget MMA I, or forget boxing. I'm I'm an MMA guy. <laughs> so, Nick, to you, happy MMA day. <laughs> Isn't Boxing Day a uh, Canadian holiday? Am I remembering that right? I believe so. And it has nothing to do with physical contact. Is that right? Boxing Day. I, I would assume not, yes. I think it's literally about boxing stuff up. Yeah, it started in the UK. There you go. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. By the way, is this the day where you're returning all of those items from Christmas that you don't want or need? And do you tell the person that gifted it to you that you're returning it? <laughs> and are you getting store credit or straight cash homie? Probably store credit. Probably store credit. Yeah. Places, but, but yeah, I'm in good shape. I did, I did, there's nothing I have to return. I mean, I got everything I wanted, which is very limited. I'm not a big gift guy. I give lots of gifts. I don't need much, man. Got a couple things I really wanted. And that's it. It didn't used to be that way, though. Oh, no. At one point, it was only about the gifts. Absolutely. And uh, some of us grow out of that stage quicker than others. <laughs> I mean, I still love gifts now. What'd you get, man? I got a little, uh, I got a new REI vest. Nice. And that's what I requested from uh, Brolo. We we drew names. Oh, okay. Family yeah, yeah, yeah. Names. And um, I got my dad, though, a rangefinder for his uh, nice. for golf. So yeah. we're going to go out there and hit the links. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Shout out Red Tail Holiday, uh, <laughs> Holiday Center. Um, yeah, and I got a really nice plaid shirt. Plaid shirts, I feel like, you know, you can't go wrong with a really nicely designed plaid shirt. They're universal, man. Yeah. You can wear them anywhere, anytime, any day. Yep. Yep. Duck fans celebrating. I wonder what store credit would be for Duck fans. If it, if it meant that you could trade in Justin Herbert senior year for store credit, would that be like a five-star recruit next year as a quarterback? That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't think Duck Fan would trade that for anything. I don't think he would return yeah. that for store credit. Yeah, no, they got it. This, this isn't a chip and dip. They got exactly what they wanted. Let's go out to Ryan, who's called in on the phone lines in Portland. What's up, Ryan? Fellas, happy holidays. Thanks for being here uh, today and, and taking calls. You know, it is a big day, I, I think, for the Duck fans. But I think, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of take a step back and realize, take this really with a, with a grain of salt because – what is going to change next year with the Ducks offense that we haven't seen already this year? And if you would have think, you thought Justin Herbert was going to take really big strides uh, this football season. It really never happened. And you saw that, I think, really against lower-level competition to start the season. You really never saw him get into a groove. I think you saw them settle in a little bit when they played Stanford, and I think that was the best that they looked for a half, maybe, you know, through three quarters. Uh, and then it seemed to kind of fall apart again. I know they beat Washington, had a great run. They ran the football that game incredibly well. I think you had fantastic line play. So I think that was a bit misleading. But, uh, you know, I, I think he needed to come back, gentlemen. I think, um, you know, as much as I do not like listening to Keely Smith on Twitter, uh, he's right. I, mean, I think Justin looked uh, Dylan Mitchell's way a little bit too much. I think he relied on him. Now, part of that is because they just didn't have the playmaking ability on the edge to really distribute the ball like, like they wanted to do. But at the end of the day, you know, again, I, I think it's a big win for the Ducks. And, yes, I would equate it to a five-star type quarterback. Um, but, again, 
I think you have to really, and Coach Allen made a great point of this, is that what are the Ducks going to do? What are the coaches going to do to really kind of take a gut check to get that passing game to the next level? And I'd love your thoughts about that. Exactly. And uh, thanks for the phone call, Ryan. You can call in at 503-417-7575. It raises the stakes for Marcus Arroyo this year. And here's the thing, man. Like, Marcus Arroyo is valuable on that staff because he is a good, if not great, recruiter. And college football is built on recruiting. Therefore, you build your assistant staff based on their abilities to recruit. But that is a separate skill set for a coach that is on-field development. That is also a separate skill set for a coach that is play calling. I think Arroyo is a great recruiter that might lack a little skill in player development and certainly lacks a lot of skill in play calling. I think we can all agree with that. His recruiting skills will not be required out of him for Justin Herbert as a senior, needless to say. His player development skills are kind of like, you know, they're moot as well. Herbert's already going to be on his, you know, third offense in four years at Oregon anyway. So what does that leave? That leaves his play calling. Do you really believe that Marcus Arroyo will mature over one offseason as a play caller to the point where this will be a well-oiled duck offense machine that's not 60-40 running between the tackles? Yeah, I got my questions about that, man. I, I'm not confident in that. Me neither. And I would love to have a conversation, sit down face-to-face with Marcus Arroyo and, and talk about that too because you have to be honest with yourself self-evaluation, and when Cristobal and Arroyo get together in the offseason and evaluate the direction of the offense, they're going to be honest with one another as well and say, look, we were we are hashtag blessed with the decision of number 10 to return because we couldn't necessarily count on that. But now that we know he is coming back, we're challenged to maximize the opportunity. The opportunity was far from maximized in 2018. I put a lot of culpability on Arroyo and the coaching staff, but I think some goes to Justin himself. You don't lose 44 to 15 to some unranked non bowl game going Arizona Wildcat team. Yeah. 44 to 15. Justin had wow moments. He had a lot of them. The Stanford first half was insane 346 yards passing for the game. He had a couple of throws against Washington that were capital W wow. Remember the one on the sideline to the end zone to Jalen Red? Mm-hmm. Insane catch, but insane dime piece. But he got rocked against Wazoo. He got rocked against Arizona. And then ultimately never eclipsed 300 yards after Stanford. Not once. Not one time. Did he pass for more than 300 yards after September 22nd? So, no, I won't apologize for having questions about Justin Herbert. Take the emotion out of it and look at what the evidence has already supplied you. And that's strictly from a football player perspective. Because as a person, holistically, yes, I'll praise him up and down. He's awesome. And I can't wait to see how he does with an NFL future. But with the decision to come back, it's not, I mean, today, yes, you can celebrate. Fine. Today you celebrate. That's great. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of pressure to perform now. Otherwise, we're going to look back on it 
as a mistake. That's just the fact of the matter, man. We're talking high stakes here. And we could have been talking about easy first round pick and a decorated Oregon Duck career already. But now, you know, he's gambling on himself. It really is a gamble. I think Coach Aliotti said it right. He said it's a gamble, but he said it's a gamble he can get behind. And I can too, but I'm just calling to the fact that it's still a gamble. It is. I mean, if there, I, I, I think he can pull it off. I think he could have a great year next year. It's just so much of it is outside of his control. Right. I'm really nervous about Marcus Arroyo. I am. I mean, we all watched what happened last season, and the definition of insanity is if something's not working, to just trying the same thing over and over and getting a different result. It's not going to happen. And he's got his work cut out for him, not just Herbert, but that whole staff, just like you said. They got to sit down. They got a game plan and maximize his physical talents. They do. They really do. You know what's so funny about all this? You know, we say timing is everything. The first thing that came to mind for me when I'm thinking, who could come in and, like, maximize Justin Herbert as a passer? I thought of Dave Yost. I thought of the former Oregon Duck quarterbacks coach who was here for one year and was charged with trying to uh, develop Vernon Adams. And then ultimately a little Dakota Prukop, I think. (laughs) And, uh... I was like, Yost is the guy that I would have liked to have stayed at Oregon just for a little longer to get around Herbert and help him develop as well. But, you know, one year too late on that. Because I'm telling you, from a quarterback development perspective, Yost would do a far better job than Arroyo. Because they're two different coaches with two massive different skill sets. Arroyo's the recruiter. He's not the developer. He's not the play caller. Maybe that maybe that means there's needs to be a supplemental hire somewhere else. But you know, ultimately there's a lot of questions and the questions that have yet to be answered now will come with a greater gravity than they did before and will have greater consequences than they ever had before as well. Man, if nothing else, you know next season is gonna be really interesting. And it's gonna be tough. Week one, Auburn. Auburn. <laughs> Can't wait. War damn eagle. They're going to be without Jared Stidham, though. He's going to the NFL, so they've got a lot of questions, too. Malzahn is always under fire. We'll have to talk to our buddy James Crepia from the Oregonian, who covered Auburn for like seven years or so and now is covering the Ducks. But, man... That week one game can't come soon enough. Then you got road games at Stanford, at UW, and at USC. And by the way, if you talk to UW fans right now, they'd take Jacob Eason over Justin Herbert. They'd do it. Yeah, well. I guess that's why they're UW fans. (laughs) Exactly. I wasn't going to say it, but. (laughs) Okay. Final chance for you to get in and sound off on the Justin Herbert discussion. After the break at 503-417-7575. We'll also get to uh, what were they thinking and the two at two. This is the BFT. If you missed any part of today's Bold Face Truth radio program, you can find the uh, interviews with Matt Preem and Nick Aliotti 
on the 1029thegame.com website. And we'll be back again tomorrow and Friday. Myself, Cheer Danubi, and Peter Sampson behind the glass on this holiday week. Uh, filling in for JC. We'll be back after the new year as the Oregon Ducks will be playing in the Red Box Bowl on New Year's Eve. And then, uh, of course, we've got New Year's Day, the holiday. And then, of course, it's on to 2019, baby. You excited for 2019, baby? It's going to be my best year yet. <laughs> Guaranteed. That's right. That's right. The original take over there with, uh, with Samson. I've been there. I've been there. It's day by day, man. You approach a new year, it's got to be day by day. Like, part of me wants to make these New Year resis. And part of me is like, dude, let's do, like, month resolutions. <laughs> I Hour by hour, man. That's how I do it. No joke. Hour by hour. Yeah. I'm going to have a good hour and do the best that I can at whatever I'm doing. Then I'll look back at the end of the year. And you, you know what, man? I had a great year. It's going to be even better. <laughs> That's the idea, man. That is the idea. So we'll be back again tomorrow as well. But before we get out of here, let's get a little two at two. The two at two. And uh, in college football news and notes, did you see this, Samson? We I had my periphery on the first responder bowl. Boise State taking on Boston College. I look up, and I guess the game was over. But I was like, didn't it just start like an hour ago? That's because the Surf Pro first responder bowl between Boise State and Boston College was canceled because of the threat of severe weather after a delay of nearly one and a half hours. I did not see that. What, it, was it lightning? or? It or? was lightning, yeah. It, Boston College was leading 7 to nothing with five minutes left in the first quarter. And then came the weather and lightning delay, the hour and a half delay. Bowl game canceled. J- just play it. If anything happens, <laughs> don't they have first responders there? <laughs> you would think. But irony strikes again. If you've got bowl games canceling, you can't really uh, hold it against players for canceling and not sitting out a bowl game, man. Yeah, that works both ways. It works both ways. Bowl games can cancel. Players can officially do whatever they want. They don't have to play in these things. There's no chance that it might not get played either. Also in college football, how about this? On the theme of players leaving early for the NFL draft and leaving early to pursue other interests... Old Dominion quarterback Blake LaRussa announced today that he, too, has decided to forego his senior season at Old Dominion to attend seminary. Yeah, he declared. (laughs) He declared. He declared. He says, it's been an incredible journey with Old Dominion football, but I would like to announce that I will be moving on from football after I graduate this spring and will be going into full-time ministry. This fall, I will be going to seminary school to start my Master's of Divinity. That is awesome, man. Good for you, Blake LaRussa. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a story quite like that. I mean, I don't really know how good he was, other than that Old Dominion beat 13th-ranked Virginia Tech earlier this year, 49-35. It was LaRussa who came off the bench. He was the backup quarterback for Old Dominion. That upset Vatek, 49-35. He threw for 495 yards and four touchdowns. And off into full-time ministry he goes. Good for you. I just wonder if at the seminary, if they have a star ranking uh, for recruits as well. Like he's a four-star, four-star priest potential. 
coming in. Dude, his pre-message prayer is one of the best that you'll find in the in the country. I'll have to look for that. I think he needs to work on his like tithe and offering execution a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's a little forceful. He asks the congregation to give a little too explicitly, but you know what? When it's all said and done, he's one of the stronger minister prospects you'll find in the country. He'll yeah, be at, good. at the end of the day, raw talent is raw talent. Yeah, you can't teach that. That's that's the Holy Spirit working in it. That's right, man. <laughs> but all jokes aside, good for you, Blake LaRusso. Good for him. You know, going on into full-time ministry, that's pretty cool. You know, we don't often think about that with, with athletes. Now, I know playing quarterback's old dominion is not exactly playing quarterback at, like, Florida or something. But still, that's, uh, that's pretty neat, getting his master's in divinity. So that is the two-at-two two as we uh, wind this sucker up. Samson, where do you stand then in all this with the Justin Herbert conversation? We've had just about every opinion known to man out on the table over the course of these past three hours. Uh, first of all, needless to say, we respect the decision. Yeah. We can't wait to see him play his senior year. But where do you fall after that? Yeah, I mean, it's his decision decision to make, and far be it... You know, for any of us to tell him what he should or shouldn't do. That being said, I'm really happy I get to watch him for another season. I'm also stunned, and I I know we're not alone. Again, I've talking to talked to multiple college football experts. I've talked to uh, you know former Ducks players, former NFL players, and I've I've asked them all, and they all just go, "Yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go get that money." It just goes to show he's a he's a he's a different kind of cat. Maybe it doesn't the NFL isn't the end all be all for him. It's not to say he's not going to go. Of course he is but you know Stephen Eugene at KORE he he shot me a text message and he said look you're only young once you get a chance to play with your brother and I think it just really comes down to that he's having the time of time of his life why would he leave wouldn't be my decision but I don't want to project that on him yeah absolutely and ultimately Look, it's going to help for the immediate future, too, with the Red Box Bowl. It's going to take away any concerns or distractions. Um, you know, and, and if they can get it done against Michigan State, you're talking about a win over another Power 5 opponent, which there's no guarantee that you get to play a Power 5 opponent in a bowl game any given year. They didn't, obviously, last last year, and the optics were terrible because they got their butts handed to them in the trenches by a non-Power 5. But now they get to play a Power 5. The opportunity is there. Nine-win season, wins against Washington, potentially Michigan State as well, successful first year, and all the momentum in the world from the first full recruiting class for Mario Cristobal. The momentum is there. Your star quarterback is returning. The challenge now is on Cristobal and specifically Marcus Arroyo and the rest of that offensive coaching staff to parlay that momentum into actual success on the football field in a way that maximizes Justin Herbert's talent and abilities. It goes without saying that they did not accomplish that task in 2018. It goes without saying that they have to accomplish it in 2019 for this to be justified. This is the Bald Face Truth. Thanks for being along for the ride. Be back at you tomorrow and Friday as well on the BFT. See ya.